0: to another edition of the All-American Spook Show podcast. Mm-hmm. I am Josh and I am joined with my good friend Will and the Professor Smoke. Hey. And today we are going to be talking about one of the I, I guess uh, classic is uh, uh, is underselling it. I mean this is one of if one of <laughs> this is probably one of the top 10 or or at least top 20 of best horror movies ever made or at least on most people's list I would imagine, right? Yeah. Definitely. So of course we're talking about The Shining. I don't want to bury the lead too much there. (laughs) It's actually the 40th anniversary of its uh, major or its wide film release. I think it actually came out like late May of uh, 1980, like limited release. You know, probably like L.A., Chicago, New York, something like that. But it it didn't open wide until June 13th of 1980. Kind of in celebration of that, we figured it'd be a good time to uh, go ahead and talk about it. And also, it's also kind of gonna be a kind of a brother sister podcast to our next episode. Um I'll just go ahead and toss to it now instead of waiting to the end. We're gonna be talking about Doctor Sleep. So you know you kind of get a nice uh old school grindhouse uh double bill, right? <laughs> yeah. We're going to, we're doing the shining today and then the next or in this show and then the next podcast we'll be doing uh, uh Doctor Sleep, which I actually haven't got a chance to watch it, believe it or not. Oh, you haven't seen it yet? No, Never no, I haven't I've read, and matter of fact, I haven't finished the book either. Like I, I, I started reading the book, got maybe you know about a third of a way through it, and then put it down. And this, that, and the other happened. Then you start reading something else. Yeah. You know How it goes sometimes, but uh, oh yeah, <laughs> I just never got back around to finishing it. But uh, yeah, uh, what I the first part I read of it, I I was enjoying the book for sure. I've heard some good things, or I, I guess some mixed reviews about Doctor Sleep. Like as far as like some people like really loved it and thought they caught the captured the spirit. Of The Shining and then other people, you know, fuck that movie kind of thing, I guess. But I think it was pretty successful, right? Yeah, I know it did well. It did well enough at the box office. And, and
1: uh, you know, without giving any, because we're going to be getting to that movie, but without giving anything away, I definitely enjoyed it. I, I would I would definitely fall on that side of enjoying it rather than definitely not hating it. And my wife as well. We, we saw it in the theater when it first came out. I don't know. I don't remember. If I, I don't think I've read anything to see, you know, what Stephen King's thoughts on it were. I haven't really read that yet. I'm, I'm sure he's probably had something to say about it, but I, not
0: sure yeah I mean I, I would imagine with the success of it and uh, a few other of his uh, movies over the last 10 or 15 years you know we're like, remember there was a stretch of time where like they were making these movies but they weren't always the movies from his books I should say yeah and they weren't always successful or they weren't always adapted quite right so it was oh, always yeah. a thing where like oh you know here we go like you know the book is a thousand times better than the movie so let's you know we'll, we'll see I think for <laughs> me I think for me the tide started turning with Stephen King like movies around the time of, what was it, 1408? Oh, yeah. Or uh, yeah. Uh, uh, certainly The Mist, for yeah. sure. Oh, that, that was, yeah. That's where, for me, it started okay. like, oh, shit, you know, look, and now I'm actually looking forward to these things, because for a long time <laughs> they were like TV movies that were meh, or, uh, you know. Yeah,
1: I think he had, he had like, a, I guess a peak, right, in, this, in, in the 80s. That was hell starting in the 70s with, like, Carrie. Yeah. Maybe he, a couple other ones in that, in that era, and then uh, to various degrees of being accurate or not accurate to the book, but a lot of times the movies would still be really good, you know in the 80s and whatnot yeah like i said there once you get into the 90s they were kind of like you know going off tracks a little bit
0: <laughs> yeah there's only a few here or there that i recall like they jump out in my mind that were like you know actually halfway decent like the stand yeah. tv miniseries was pretty good that movie thinner yeah um, that was actually
1: so, really good Yeah, too, that I one think. was
0: pretty good but then there's just as many like stankers, like you know, I'm yeah. not, you know, you, you watch it once and you'd never watch it again, kind of stuff, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, you know, obviously with the success of it, uh, the newer ones, apparently Doctor Sleep. But today's uh, movie that we're going to be talking about is The Shining, which is one of the classics of uh, horror cinema, and that uh, Stephen King didn't necessarily agree with. I guess t- still to this day, although I think I re- saw or read somewhere that like he softened his stance a little bit about this, you know, but he still, I guess he still doesn't, he's not completely on board. With this adaptation, yes, yeah, of it. Oh,
1: initially he, because uh, I know he, he wrote the screenplay himself or a draft of the screenplay to give to Kubrick, and uh, Kubrick just basically didn't read it, you know, threw it out, did his own screenplay with, uh, I forget the other writer, somebody else he had that was an author that was kind of helping him with the screenplay, you know, came up with whatever his take on it was, and then of course Jack Nicholson, I know Stephen King was uh, very vocal about, you know, he did not that he didn't like Jack Nicholson as an actor, but he thought he wasn't right for the role. Due to his already having this, you know, he was on prior to this, he was in one foot of the cuckoo's nest and he's playing an off the wall type character. It's yeah. just his general demeanor. It's kind of maniacal as it is. So I think he was not not happy with the fact that okay, his this character is supposed to start off very normal and then you see him progress into the, you know, that state of lunacy basically by the end of the movie. Yeah. And he thought that Jack Nicholson would just already portrays that state of lunacy from the beginning. Yeah. You're not really taking in on the voyage with
0: him, you know. And he's not wrong. So, I mean, like, you know no, no, you can no, see that yeah. there's something off about him, like pretty much from the get in this movie, you know, like <laughs> yeah. hey, obviously he get, he gets crazier and crazier, but you can tell right out the gates, like, eh, I don't know about this dude, you <laughs> know. Yeah, yeah. As, soon, as soon as Jack Nicholson smiles, I don't
1: regardless of whether he's in a movie or outside of a movie, yeah. <laughs> you already get this air of like, he's a little off kilter, you know.
0: I think all so, the I think all these years later, too, years later, with uh, the the uh, advantage of hindsight, you know, looking back on the guy's career, when I yeah. even when I watch this, I see so much of nineteen eighty nine's Batman, you know, Joker, the Joker, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah definitely I mean,
1: see where Tim Burton was like, oh, yeah, we need to get you know Jack Nicholson for
0: the Joker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but you can see it, you know, you know, like it's it's hard to avoid with all these years that have passed us and looking back on things now, like uh you can see the joker in there or vice versa right however you want right. to however you want to frame yeah. it but uh yeah i saw something you know just looking up some notes or whatever for this that like uh stephen king's choice was uh i can't remember the first act. It was two actors that he had in mind for the role can't remember the first one but one of them was martin sheen that i guess he, yeah that he envisioned for it and <laughs> yeah. I, i'm assuming stanley kubrick's like no fuck off you know <laughs> <laughs> fuck off nerd <laughs> i'm doing my movie <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You hack writer I'm doing yeah, this. yeah. <laughs> actually, the screenplay was co-written uh with novelist Diane Johnson that's who uh that's who it was yeah ended yeah. an awesome up doing it yeah yeah, but I, I mean I think he definitely took it in a, a different direction and he sapped a lot of the uh, supernatural element out of it uh um, yeah you know, from the book, but I, I don't think he did it this is just my opinion and I'm a huge Stephen King fan, but I don't think he did the source material any disservice, I just think he changed nah. enough of it to where I could see where Stephen King would be like, eh, you know man fuck you, you know. <laughs> I could see it, <laughs> yeah. But you know, well, you know,
1: Kubrick's a very, you know, as everybody knows, I think he's a very specific type of director. I mean, he, he, there's a word that's called Kubrickian <laughs> that uh-huh. comes from him. You know, his style of filming. He's gonna, he's gonna make it a Kubrick movie, regardless of the source material. Yeah, and maybe that, that's maybe why. I mean, I don't know this for a fact, but I think just kind of projecting that that might be one of the reasons why Stephen King wasn't on board with it. But the fact that his his draft was just basically rejected. He wasn't happy with Jack Nicholson necessarily playing the role of Jack Torrance. And then just uh, the fact that Kubrick's going to make a Kubrick movie. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> So I think all those things, maybe maybe that was some of the initial animosity he had towards it and maybe why he lightened up over the years of it. Because it's just it is a great movie, I think regardless he, of whether it's absolutely true to the source material.
0: Yeah, I, I think also he didn't necessarily agree with... I don't know whether it was an agreement on uh, Shelley Duvall being cast in the, you know, the part oh, yeah. of uh, Wendy. Yeah. I don't know if he necessarily agreed or disagreed with that but I do know he I think he's been critical of the way she was written in this movie compared mm-hmm. to the way that character was written in the books or in the novel as well. You know, in the in the novel she's a little bit more of a stronger woman. At, at least in my yeah. opinion the way I read it. You know, she's a stronger mm-hmm. woman than uh Shelly Duv- the way Shelly Duvall played it in the way this she movie.
1: Was yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. And there was another thing too like uh about and we'll get into that uh I'll, I'll reference uh, something shortly. But the, I saw another thing about how, like, and obviously this isn't a, a top secret information, but about how Stanley Kubrick kind of uh, treated his actors. He was mm-hmm. kind of harsh on them. Yeah. And I always would take dozens and dozens of takes on, on certain oh, yeah. scenes and everything <laughs> to get it done. Yeah. But in particular, yeah. uh, one Opposition thing. I Opposition
1: to somebody like Clint Eastwood who would only do, like, almost one take.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's on
1: the other end of the spectrum versus
0: yeah, yeah. Whether well, you know, I guess style there, of
1: like doing multiple takes, many, many takes. Yeah, <laughs> I,
0: I guess it's yet another proof that there's uh, dozens and or hundreds, th- if not thousands, of different ways to get a movie out of somebody. Mm-hmm. Right, like you can mm-hmm. one or two takes. All right, let's go with it. You know, just this is what's <laughs> yeah. natural. This is what happened. Let's go with it. And then you got a perfectionist, like you said, in yeah. Kubrick. That you know he he sees what he wants to see and he gets it when he gets it. You know whether you like yep. it or not. So that's the way it's going to be. Um, but in particular, you
1: would do that sometimes too, just to be a gruel kind of because you know, on that first or second take, maybe they're not just getting into it. Maybe if I do it 30 times or 40 times, they'll be so depending on what the scene is. If yeah, it's a scene that requires emotion and anger, they will be sufficiently angry by the time they get to that 30th take to where yeah. it looks more genuine. Yeah.
0: One uh, <laughs> behind the scenes thing that I was watching uh, basically, like in particular, what I was getting to about Shelley Duvall is that I think they said he somewhat purposefully kind of treated her badly and not, oh yeah, and not just like, uh, you know, not and not and with true animosity. Yeah. 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 Just to kind of get it out of her. Like he basically treated her like crap and asked and, and had everyone on set treat her like crap. Just, I guess (laughs) so she would be, you know, kind of on edge and, um, beat down, I guess, you know, whatever he was trying to, however you want to phrase it, what he was trying to get out of her. He basically purposely just kind of talked down to her and, Fought with her and, you know, just to get that out of her. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's I'm sure those things aren't acceptable these days, you know, 40 years later. But uh, for a director to treat somebody like that. But I, I guess it's all in your willingness to play along. Right. Too. and even afterwards, I think in a the, in the, uh, little interview thing that she like she basically thanked him for, you know, <laughs> for like thank you for treating me this way you know you got you got this you got this out of me yeah yeah, yeah. which brings me to uh what i talked to both you guys about uh watching and i'll put the uh, link down in the show notes stanley kubrick's daughter vivian kubrick actually went around like had a had a camera and like a audio equipment or something during this and went around and filmed her own like little uh making of I wouldn't necessarily say it's a doc. I guess it's a documentary, however you want to phrase it. It's just like kind of a little 20, 25 minute short film where she just kind of followed the action along. You know, it's, it's almost like a day in day in the life of kind of. Um, but mm. I, I thought it was very interesting just watching. It, it's It's not like a narrated thing, right? It's like, um, here's just what happened. Like she's following Jack. Now it's kind of like around. she just
1: turned the camera on, right, and then yeah, and then just they just, put it out there, and, and somebody would talk to it, or maybe not talk to it. They would just do what they were doing. Yeah, and then and they and then,
0: just and then they cut in a few interviews, you know, to kind of make it mm-hmm. like a real piece kind of thing. But uh, yeah, I thought it's a very interesting uh, look behind the scenes of this. Yeah. I think it's actually called just uh, "Making the Shining," I think is what it's called, and you can find it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I'll put the link down in the show notes for you know all you guys if you want to check it out. I, I think if you're a fan of the film. And I'm sure if you like horror, I'm sure you are on some level a fan of this film Um, and you haven't watched this yet. It's kind of a cool behind the scenes look and just kind of capturing the moment, you know, like you don't see very often, especially with Stanley Kubrick, because he was uh, an elusive type dude. You know, (laughs) you don't see very. (laughs) Yeah,
1: you don't see too many.
0: (laughs) No, you you never saw him very often. Not too many interviews, I wouldn't think, floating around of the guy. So
1: too much video footage I can think of either. I mean, you'd see a still a photo from a set of him, you know. In action doing whatever, but not too much video or film, whatever, of him behind the scenes.
0: I actually read uh, another thing. I I, I forgot to mention this to y'all, you guys, before we did this, but if you can go into the uh, Fangoria archives, you go all the way back to, I think it was issue number seven, and there's like a full on article about this. And it's kind of interesting to go back, you know, to to right before, basically, this article, I guess, would have been published before the movie came out. Or at least it was in limited release, so it was around that time. I'm assuming this probably came out May or June, somewhere around the time of the film's release. But it's interesting, it's like the way they frame it's like, yeah, this movie that's been years in the making is finally going to happen, so we'll see if it turns out to be good, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Looking back now, you're like, this is one of the greatest horror movies ever made, and they're like, I don't know, you know, there's some rumors that were floating around that, uh, you know... <laughs> it probably wasn't helped any by Stephen King, you know? <laughs> I'm sure, yeah, yeah, not being like being basically disappointed with it. Him not, <laughs> Him, and yeah, put that out there, you know, them not be w- being willing to play ball together. You know, yeah. I'm sure that you know got got uh, a lot of people roused up. Like you know, uh, who knows which side you're going to land on here. You know, especially at that time. You know, right. <laughs> yeah. But it's just funny. It's like apparently, like it had been years in the making at that point. It was like, yeah, we've waited over three years um, to see this thing. So in uh apparently, there's been some uh, uh, some background rumors because apparently like uh Kubrick just wasn't forthcoming with any kind of information right he went into usually, he, yeah yeah a... yeah so like he went into seclusion or something basically right before the movie came out like you know you don't see hide nor hair of him. nobody heard, hears from him or anything so that had everyone I guess in the in the, uh the horror movie uh uh neighborhood at the time worried that like well maybe this maybe this movie's gonna suck and that's why he's kind of like pulled back and um, you know, there's gonna be massive reshoots and all this and it's just funny to read that now, you know, forty years later yeah. this movie is what it is, and then you <laughs> read this article that's kinda I don't know, you know. Um so yeah, if you got if you got a chance to dig around and, into the old Fangoria archives, check out issue seven. I'm pretty sure it was, if I'm not mistaken. Uh I think it was on the cover as well. Um, but it shouldn't be too hard to find if you know where to look. Check that out. It's a pretty I think it was by Jim Wynarsky who wrote the article. Oh, Jim Menorski wrote yeah. the article. Yeah, yeah.
1: He's a filmmaker in his own
0: right of, uh, yeah.
1: Low budget 80s movies and stuff. So.
0: Yeah. So, uh, it's pretty interesting to go back and read. And there, and there's some cool pictures too. That got me thinking when you said that, it was like a couple of, uh, you know, by, uh, behind the scenes pictures of Kubrick and, uh, and then the usual pictures that you see of The Shining, you know, that were sub, uh, supplied by Warner Brothers, you know, you know, the usual pictures, you know, that behind the shot behind Danny with the two girls down the hallway, that kind of stuff, you know. So I guess uh, before we get into the background, we'll go ahead and uh, throw to the trailer for the classic 1980 horror movie, The Shining. And that was the trailer for The Shining. Was there anything like you know before we get into the ins and outs and all that? I mean, was there anything that you that you saw that you wanted to throw in there? Any little interesting tidbit or anything you wanted to talk about beforehand? One thing uh I mentioned too, and I'm not
1: sure if you'd seen this or if Willie had seen this yet either, but uh, have you heard of the documentary Room 237?
0: Yeah, I heard it, and I, it seems like it was on Netflix or something at some point. I'm like, yeah, it I was. I need to get around to watching that, and then it's just gone.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, I saw it way back when. I don't remember exactly what. It's been a few years. It's been out now. I saw it on Netflix originally, and uh, I looked forward this time around to see. And yeah, you could. I think you could rent it for like four dollars or something from yeah. YouTube or here yeah. there. But it's not anywhere streaming free right now. But but yeah, that is. I, I've seen it, and I, you said you haven't seen it yet.
0: No, I remember like, it was on Netflix. I recall. And then yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, I need to get around to watching that. And, then you know, you know how it is on Netflix. It just gets buried yeah. in uh, thousands yeah. of other things, and I forgot about <laughs> and then it. And taken
1: down after the contract runs yeah. out or whatever, yeah. I guess. So. But, yeah, it was, uh, it's I'd recommend it for anybody out there who's a fan of The Shining to, uh, you know, seek it out. It, I think it got a DVD release, too, as well. But it is out there. If you don't mind paying three or four bucks for it, you can rent it. It is uh, very subjective, you know, because it's shot by some filmmakers who are taking you – it's know, shot well after, of course, Stanley Kubrick's death and everything. Uh, they're kind of taking liberties with sort of these theories that have been flying around there of different shots that are set up in the film that it's kind of been theories about whether they were certain things were done intentionally or or maybe not maybe it's just coincidentally but it's almost like conspiracy theories in a way of all these theories that have been going around for years about different scenes so you kind of take it with a grain of salt you watch it it's very interesting but you don't necessarily whether you believe some of the you know conclusions they jump to or not. Still very much recommended, it and it's uh, interesting nonetheless. So.
0: I saw something in one of these articles or something that oh, I was reading on some background information, and, like, mm-hmm. something I might have seen in the past before, just kind of forgot about, that apparently, like, there's this uh, uh, conspiracy theory behind, like, Stanley Kubrick being involved in the moon landing or something.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the things they talk about. Yeah, man, yeah, I'm sure, yeah. Danny, you know, in that one scene where he's in the hallway playing with the trucks on the car- on the iconic carpet pattern, you know? Uh-huh. The orange and brown carpet pattern. He's playing with his little toy cars. He's wearing an Apollo sweater. That's one of the things. That yeah. Kinda, yeah. You know, <laughs> is that Stanley Kubrick kind of throwing this little nugget out there? That yeah, I did.
0: You know, yeah. <laughs> direct
1: the moon landing <laughs> in the studios. <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 Fuck you guys.
1: <laughs> so yeah, there's and there's a lot of that, which is they basically break the whole movie down into these scenes where you know, hey, you know, we pause it here. Look at this oh, this item over here. You know, is this tied to this or that? You know, sort of. It's what? basically conspiracy theory ish but they do put some things forward that like you know yeah that could be <laughs> that could be a thing
0: my question so kind of like taking my question about of that is like where does that come from right is there some reasonable fact like that he he or someone else might have staged this or is just people's general disbelief <laughs> that like man they can't put a dude up there i mean where does it come from i mean for real i mean like what's the what's the well, legit yeah, they reasoning break that,
1: some of that down in the documentary but For me, it's even been a while since I've seen that documentary, The Room 237. That's why I was looking for it again this time because I kind of wanted to give it another watch. And they do put forward some things in there, but I can't remember now outside. And that's why I wanted to again watch it again before this. But I don't remember exactly what those theories were on why they think that could have been a thing, you know, that Kubrick could have done that or or that somebody
0: could
2: have. It's the greatest cover up ever because literally nobody has come out and actually said it's fake
0: i mean i've heard that I before like, i think even like my great grandpa or something like that uh used to tell like he 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 passed away when i was really young so i never really you know i don't mm-hmm. remember much about him but it seemed like i remember some story about saying like ah oh, uh the moon landing was horse shit i used to be on a base out in arizona or something like that and, and it looked like that
2: yeah well i mean the, the the thing that i saw was uh the reason that we faked it supposedly Uh, Was because Russia was so far ahead of us in rockets, and we couldn't catch up with them. So what's the one thing we can catch up with them with? Uh, Video quality. I guess. I
0: guess if you're open-minded, you can believe anything, right? But I don't know. You know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I never. Me personally, no. I I personally don't believe that that the moon landing was a. Was, fake. It was a
0: hoax, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't, and plus, I'm assuming that the Stanley Kubrick thing must come to to bring it full circle. It must come from the fact that he did 2001: A Space Odyssey.
2: Yeah, which I believe came out like the year before the space landing.
0: Yeah, that's I the guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, he did that. He did that realistic <laughs> space movie. He must have that's done the movie. That's the reason really why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why these.
1: That's what. That's the link there too. It Was one of the reasons they were saying, okay, he, yeah, he did this movie and it really looks realistic. We should get him to. Do the moon landing, quote-unquote, you know.
0: Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, like I said, you can believe anything. You can find anything literally in the world. You can believe that, uh, you know, I don't know, cheese is a piece of the moon, and you could find <laughs> evidence or an article somewhere that will prove your fucking theory right. You know, if you wanted to keep going down the rabbit hole. So
2: there was a an article where, it like, went in depth as far as like uh, everything in The Shining and how it was supposed to be him admitting that he did it. Oh, you mean like Kubrick? Without trying, him coming out and saying he did it,
0: he's trying to admit it in a roundabout way. You mean like, or or he's yeah. at least hinting at a connection?
2: Yeah. yeah. This uh, this Paris Review, we're told that the hotel stands for America. It was once grand, but is been allowed to uh, dilapidate the role of the caretaker the novelist jack an artist like kubrick is to maintain the fiction we landed on the moon
0: and i I usually take that stuff with a grain of salt myself yeah and if you're watching this documentary you, you, you do
1: that you take it with a grain of salt but it doesn't make it any less interesting like the things they tie together i'm like wow yeah okay i can see how somebody would believe that you know yeah whether you believe it yourself or not yeah highly entertaining documentary regardless
0: hopefully i can get my hands on it again one of these, hopefully they'll put it up on netflix or hulu or one of these streamers yeah. again you know one day and then i'll get to check it out because like i like as soon as i went to go look for it i instantly regretted not watching it the first time you know like shit <laughs> i remember seeing it on here damn it you know
1: <laughs> yeah that was going to message all about that until i saw that it wasn't available anywhere other than you know having to really dig yeah. it or having yeah. to you know Pay for it or whatever,
0: but like you said, if it's if it's something you really want to seek out, it is available. You just you're just gonna have to pony up a little bit so you can go track yeah. it down and check it out yourself. Uh, I may have. And I'm
1: I'm still, of course, a huge believer in physical media. So at some point, I'm gonna buy it on DVD. Yeah. If it's, I believe it was put out on DVD. So
0: yeah, yeah, like that. That's what I uh, I was referencing the other day when there was like the the thing going around about uh, HBO Max taking Gone with oh, the yeah. Wind down. And like I said, <laughs> like I say, agree or disagree with the reasons that we're not here to uh, politicize. All no, I'll no. say is like that right there is further proof as to why you should have physical media, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, yep. If because uh,
1: one thing, whether what whatever whoever whatever your politics are, one thing I don't believe in is censorship of that nature yep, of something that's been out there. That's a movie. That's an art. A piece of art. You know. Yeah, it's been put out there, getting pulled now. Yeah, definitely a reason to you know keep your physical media
2: around. I mean, I mean, what, what are they going to wipe out next? Like Blazing Saddles, like incredibly racist, but it was satire.
0: I agree that it. I, I agree that it should exist and 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 like you, it's like burning books, right? In, in a way, yeah, like you know, yeah, it yeah. has a right to exist. Agree or disagree with you know uh, the message yeah. per se, you know, because um, there's a lot of shit out there that you can agree or disagree with, right? I mean everything, oh, yeah. right? I and mean, things
1: change, you know. People's
0: yeah, I mean your, people's what,
1: ideals and things
0: change over time. What year did that but movie come out? It was like the 30s, right? Sometime in the 30s or 40s. Yeah. So, yeah, so I mean it was a lot. Yeah. Things were different. I'm not saying it was right. Things were a lot different, yeah. and uh, it just is, is what it is, right? I mean, at the time, yeah. that, that, and that that doesn't mean though that you have to put it on Front Street, like, hey, everybody, come come get HBO Max and watch Gone <laughs> with the Wind, you know, like, yeah, and only get it for Gone with the Wind, you know. I don't think that's what they're saying. You know, it's just <laughs> it's literally one of the biggest movies of all time. Like, yes. I, I think oh, yeah, I've yeah. seen uh, uh, those uh, shoot those box office numbers where they like uh, I'm blanking on the word where they kind of like if if the ticket, they, the tickets were sold today like uh, yeah, you know they yeah, it
1: would be the highest grossing
0: movie right yeah yeah I, really I think by based far on today's prices yeah, sure? yeah yeah i think it's like some <laughs> stupid number like billions <laughs> yeah you know like back then they were paying a nickel you know or whatever the hell yeah. they were <laughs> paying for a <laughs> ticket to go see it if you put it on today's movie ticket prices it would be in the billions some some <laughs> crazy number of tickets sold for that movie so like i said you know not going to go too deep into that territory agree or disagree <laughs> I still don't think things should be wiped like a, a movie, a film, a piece of art, like you said, should be wiped out just because times have changed. You know, I think it should still be available. If you want to go out of your way to go watch it, it should it should be there. That's my opinion. Um,
1: yeah. I mean, when we're talking about a streaming service, too, I mean, if it's not like physically streaming in like live stream, you know, like if you have to go phys- physically go to it and click on it. Then, you know, it's there for you if you want to see it. Yeah, <laughs> If it's you don't, just, yeah, you don't yeah. have to click on it and watch it. And,
0: and look, ultimately, if they take it down, you know, no skin off my ass, right? I'm not making any money off of it, so, you know, it did not matter to <laughs> me. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. you know, once again, I'm, st- I'm just overstressing it because that's the importance of physical media, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if you really care that much about Gone with the Wind, go, bu- go buy a copy of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> go buy it on VHS, DVD, Blu-ray, and all yeah, the... F- that one,
1: I got I got it on VHS. I think I got DVD too, but I got a Betamax of it, I
0: think. (laughs) I guarantee that movie has been released multiple times on every fucking physical format ever since that movie came. Like, you could probably buy it on Stag Reel or some shit, you know, like, (laughs) I mean, uh, literally, like, like you said, Betamax, VHS, LaserDisc probably. I'm probably not going out on a limb. I'm sure it's on LaserDisc. Uh, Yeah,
1: you just have to have like four discs to watch it. Yeah, but still,
0: yeah, you know, like it is a thing, right? Um, Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you can if you care that much about that particular movie, if they take it off HBO, go cry and go buy it somewhere. You know, just shut up. Yeah, <laughs> it's really not that important in the grand scheme of things, but still, <laughs> I, I don't—I'm not a big censorship guy myself. Though, but but yeah, we, we won't go too much deeper into that because that'll start start a ruckus these days. So, <laughs> ah. Hell, I think I think Cannibal Holocaust should be on network TV now. Yeah, kidding. yeah. Going I too think far they should. Now. <laughs> I think they should show it on the <laughs> Sunday night movie on ABC. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> censorship. Give a <of> Cannibal Holocaust.
1: <laughs> Yeah. I know we didn't mention our uh, have we been watching what have we been watching lately type thing but uh Joe Bob Briggs had Cannibal Holocaust on there a couple like a week yeah, or two two I weeks did, ago I didn't wasn't. get a
0: chance to watch that although uh before you continue I noticed that like after like they aired it and then they put it up on Shudder they, uh, mm-hmm. they put two different versions up. There's like, you know, the regular, like, here's the movie and here's his commentary, you know, his little spliced in commentary. Oh yeah. There. Yeah. And yeah, then where you
1: just, where you can just watch the commentary without yeah, seeing the yeah, movie yeah.
0: Now yeah. to that, that's cool and all right. I understand yeah, it with but, a movie like that, but I think they should do, this is my opinion, Shudder, if you're listening, which I doubt it, but Hey, if you're listening, they should do that with every single one of his movies because, true,
1: yeah, they, yeah, because
0: there's some of those movies that he's done, you know, since he came back on Shudder. That they don't mm-hmm. have the rights to to the movie anymore.
1: Yes, yeah, so they so they took 100%. it off.
0: Yeah, so like they should put his commentaries on there. And like, all right, look, if you yeah. have a copy of the movie, plug it in and you can watch along or something like that. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's just my opinion because yeah. I've lo- I went back to watch a couple from like last the first season or yeah. ma- that marathon or whatever, and then the movies are just go- like it's just gone. Yeah, me too. Yep. So no, uh,
1: they- I'm I just summoned the very very first thing when he came back and when he had those issues. You know, when you're trying to watch it live and couldn't get on because of the Server problems and all that. Yeah, I still hadn't even been able to watch all of those yet, and some of those are gone too. So, yeah, that would be make it very helpful if they would just put up the entire commentary, regardless of the movies there or not.
0: All right. So, as far as The Shining is concerned, it was released June thirteenth, nineteen eighty, like we mentioned earlier, and it was actually limited like a week, a couple weeks before that, um, in the bigger cities and stuff. Like you know, a lot of films are. That's why usually the release date is like when it was released wide, as opposed to When it was released, you know, limited because, you know, it might have literally been only like 10 movie theaters scattered out in New York and L.A. and Chicago or Paris or some shit. You know, (laughs) the biggest cities are the ones that always get these things first. Yeah. But it was uh, released wide June 13th, 1980 by the Producers Circle Company, Peregrine Productions and Hawk Films and was distributed by Warner Brothers. Best I can tell, I guess all those production companies had something to do with Stanley Kubrick. Those were like his little production companies. And as we said, I mean, this thing was, uh, it was like written, it was written, produced, and directed by Stanley Kubrick. So it's it's yeah. it's clearly his baby. And of course, it's adapted on the novel by Stephen King.
1: Which was published in, I think, what was that, 1977? I think when that novel came out, I believe.
0: Uh, it sounds so about right. So really
1: only three years, I think, between the novel and the in the film
0: (laughs) yeah I think he got a hold of he must have got a hold of the rights like pretty much right out the gate like as far as like I saw something where like he was talking to I guess his his concept was similar to The Shining I guess a movie that was very similar to this he had it in his mind and then I guess when he reads Stephen King's book he's like that's it you know, and then let's go from there, you know. <laughs> I'm yeah. going to change the shit out of it, but that's kind of what I got in mind, right? I got the basis. At least this way they
1: can't say that I did it, you know, that I uh,
0: yeah, yeah, I stole it, you know. <laughs> <The idea. laughs> I'm going to get the idea and then make it mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Stephen King, like we say. Um, <laughs> um, it had a budget of $19 million, which is pretty crazy at the time, right? I mean, I, I wouldn't think there's that many movies floating around in uh, the late 70s, early 80s that, have a 19 million dollar budget i wouldn't think yep certainly um, not horror movies <laughs> yeah we are for sure but i'm sure because of his clout because of who he was like all right here yep. you go here's 19 million and you take all the time you need you know <laughs> you're stanley <laughs> fucking kubrick <laughs> yeah. you helped out the government and uh staged the moon landing. No, i'm just kidding <laughs> I <was> like, yeah <laughs>
1: you did the moon landing for god's sakes i know you yeah
0: <laughs> i did notice that like uh this movie is a lot longer here in america like the american version is 144 minutes which would have been the one i think pretty much that you know the three of us watched for this Mm -hmm. Um apparently the premiere version was two minutes longer 146 minutes i don't know what got god knows what actually got chopped you know but um but apparently whether
1: it was exposition or some
0: yeah lord knows with this movie i mean there's a lot of like you know shots that kind of hold steady on something for a while or anything (laughs) like that you know so who knows two minutes ain't much uh,
1: you know instead of 30 seconds of the camera panning into Jack Nicholson standing there looking like <laughs> maniacally out of it it's like a minute.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the more interesting one apparently is the European run time of this movie is 119 minutes. So that's that's it's about a bit what, about 25 <laughs> minutes less. Um <laughs> for whatever reason I didn't read too deep into that, but yeah, that that would be interesting to see their version of it. Yeah. You know, just what 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 the hell got cut out here, you know what I mean? Now granted, I sit here and watch this 40 years later you know, I've seen it a number of times, but I sit here and watch it forty forty years later saying like, all right, let's speed it up a little bit, you know. <laughs> I love this movie and it's great. Don't get me wrong, I'm not criticizing it. It is the length he wanted, so it is perfect. But you could have shortened it up a little bit. <laughs> there's a there's a few shots in there you probably could have left on the floor and we would have been all right. But it would be interesting to see the European cut, I guess, or at least that original European cut to see what was cut out of yeah, it. Yeah, to see how
1: that how that plays out. I mean how it the flow is with that yeah <laughs> i mean because 20 25
0: minutes basically that has to drastically change some of it it has to because <laughs> it's not all just setup shots and stuff like that right oh, yeah. and there's got to be something there that yeah
1: that would have had to dug into something i mean i know there is a lot of those setup shots and a lot of
0: the yeah yeah just shot you, know, you just say he lets everything breathe yeah long exteriors does. and danny riding <laughs> yeah. down the hall and everything for 10 minutes you know that kind of thing yeah. maybe they just shorten some of that up i don't know but But,
1: yeah, you would still think they would have to, because, I mean, you you cutting into 25 minutes, it's got to be more than, it's got to be something else that was left out, too. Yeah, it would be interesting to see that. It's probably closer
0: to, like, the cut, because I remember watching it when I was younger, like, the TV cut of this, you know, where they cut. I I
1: don't know if, I, you know, when I first, I know we didn't really talk about that yet, or, like, our first, you know, experiences with The Shining whatever, but I don't know that I ever saw it on regular TV, but I I think the first time I saw it was on uh, whatever movie channel, whether it was HBO, movie channel, or whatever. Uh Uh-huh. They you know, when they got a hold of it, probably I guess shortly after it came out, maybe eighty one or eighty two, whatever. I know it played a lot, and that's when I first saw it. And I probably saw it, I, I was probably Danny's age in this movie when it was made. He was what seven or eight years old, you think?
0: Yeah, yeah, I'd, yeah, okay. give or take, yeah, I'd say so, like eight yeah, or nine. That's so. probably how that I was.
1: So I was probably about that age when I saw it on the movie channel. It was about nine years old, probably. Mm-hmm. So I saw it the fully uncut version. Probably maybe I shouldn't have been watching it at nine years old. I don't know. That's I don't remember ever seeing a cut version on TV as far as. What was cut out of it and how that played out but you said you did
0: yeah i i don't remember all the ins and outs of what was cut out although i'm pretty sure i know one huge scene that was cut out the uh oh yeah yeah the, uh, <laughs> the old grandma in the tub bit yeah
1: i'm pretty yeah. sure that was yeah, that, that was, was, was not in the movie down. at all like they just cut it not out at all,
0: yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's probably just some weird cut like of uh something happened in that room and we're not going to show you what happened <laughs> you know but show you what, yeah. um uh, they just keep showing room two, 237 over and over um, but yeah, I do remember watching it, and so it, I'm sure that European cut's probably closer to that. You know, like let's cut all this uh, this shit out, the the words and everything like that, and it's probably closer to that maybe. It
2: was uh, I'm pretty sure the first time I saw it was probably I may have seen it like when I was a little kid, like bits and pieces, but the first time I really remember watching it was probably early 2000s.
0: That was one thing I forgot to add to, and you just mentioned when you were the age you were when you saw it. This movie came out literally, I think, about eight days after I was born. Oh, okay. So, like, this is kind of my birth movie, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and we, we've mentioned before, there were some really big movies, that, like horror movies, that came out in 1982. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah
1: 1980. Yeah. I was like, 1980 was just as big a year for horror as it was for heavy metal.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Landmark movies and stuff coming out at that time. And,
0: and I was born the same year, so it, it all comes together. Yeah. Heavy, yeah. heavy metal, <laughs> horror, and Josh. Well, uh, all... Yeah. <laughs> Because we haven't mentioned this before, necessarily, I don't know, Mar, maybe we have, but
1: for me, man, heavy metal and horror are just hand in hand. Like, ever since, not ever since I was starting to watch horror. It was horror that got, well, actually, yeah, I guess it was. We, we'll talk about this at some point, but, like, the first movie that you ever saw that was maybe horror, that got you into horror, mm-hmm. was also the movie that kind of got me into metal, and it was a gateway for both. It was Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park.
0: <laughs>
1: it was in Halloween, not Halloween night, but the Halloween season of 1978. I was, like, four or five years old, and I watched that on is like, NBC Movie of the Week. And it's got it's got horror elements, but it's for kids. It was, uh, you know, produced by Hanna Barbera, and of course, Kiss. That that introduced me kind of somewhat to Kiss. I think mean, my cousin, my older cousin, was into them, so I kind of heard some of the stuff from him. But when I saw that, boom! I was like, immediately, my my parents they talked him into buying me an album or two or whatever, and, you know. You're, so then it just went from that. So you're definitely right. Horror
0: you're definitely right in that in that right age group for that period of time. Like as far as the Kiss yeah. stuff and all that, like you would have been coming up right right around the time. Or at least probably. right afterwards, and then yeah, you know, I didn't get
1: the you know I was probably too young. I like a lot of kids though came up in the Kiss in that age, but the older ones like my cousin was were able to actually you know when you're you can go buy the album, coming the teenager stuff. during that time you're able to go to the concerts and you're out it and you yeah
0: go, fucking sixty eight Camaro or something or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> or you could go buy the <laughs> albums yourself and not have to worry about your parents <laughs> taking it from you
2: yeah <laughs> I remember just
1: well, well, uh, I got a Kiss lunchbox that I carry I still have the lunchbox that I, that. I brought with me to kindergarten and probably first grade too. You know,
2: I don't but. know about uh, liking it. Like, I mean, I've told y'all the story of, uh, me and return of the living dead.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, living that's, next like, to honestly, I, that's the first horror movie that I really remember. Yeah. And I really shouldn't have seen it when I saw it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> when you're like, I was uh, like,
2: seven, I was eight, like nine? five years old. And two days later I move right beside a graveyard. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is funny. Cause I, I, I'll bring it up now because I don't know how often we'll talk kiss, you know, other than here and there. <laughs> But uh, yeah. when I was really little, I'm talking like you know two, three, four, five years old here. My mom had the uh, Kiss album, the, you know the the self titled album on vinyl. Yeah, self titled. You know where yeah. they're all four on there with their makeup, kind of making scary faces, kind of you know. Yeah, with the
1: different with the makeup that was like the original that changed
0: over. the Yeah, yeah. A couple um, of albums, yeah. She had that on vinyl and used to scare me with it. I remember it distinctly. <laughs> like if you don't be good, I'm gonna pull the album out. And, oh God, you know. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> not the demon again. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: but yeah, it was always funny, it was we, funny we, to mention
1: that. Is the one I gravitated to was Gene Simmons because of the and I, it's all tied up somehow. I don't know psychologically, whatever. Yeah. His his persona, the demon spitting blood and breathing fire and all that. For whatever reason, his was the character I was drawn to, and I think that's also was what got me into ask more aspects of horror and whatnot too.
0: Yeah, I don't know if it helped helped me with my love of music or <laughs> or or not, but like. I remember being somewhat, I ain't going to say traumatized, but it definitely, uh, like, uh, you know, I remember it very distinctly. I'll say that. (laughs) The Kiss album. It's one of those
1: childhood memories. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: it's there. Like, it's stuck, and, like, it don't take much to bring it back. Like, oh, yeah, I remember that, you know. And I was really little, you know. But that and uh, the cover... An album cover for one of the Edgar Winter group albums where <laughs> Edgar Winter's like on there with like uh his mole on the side of his face or some shit. And like I just remember Yeah like, like, like super
1: close up, right? Yeah, yeah, and
0: his weird eyes. I just remember being freaked out when I was like, What the what's wrong with this guy? you know? I kid the our kids today, man, they they got no idea, you know, like a staring at know, an album yeah. cover and <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that <laughs> anyways that's our random tangent for the day yeah <laughs> so uh I, I wouldn't you know before i get back into it to one more point you said it i wouldn't think that like you said the kiss and all that your intersection of horror and, and metal or whatever kind of got you into it i think mine's yeah. more myself mine's more of a old sc- old school approach in terms of like i remember distinctly watching dracula frankenstein the wolfman you know the old universal movies yeah, yeah. When I was well, yeah, when that one definitely
1: re- wound up with mine too. Yeah, when I was real that. little.
0: I remember watching that Prior to the Kissing, yeah. And the <laughs> Abbott and Costello universe. Or you yeah. know, the ones with the monsters, like what the monsters. Fra- yeah, where they meet Frankenstein and all that. I remember those distinctly and yeah. my mom with her love for the monsters. And and yes, the a yeah. and the Adams family too. Because like, this is and back when, monster. you know, like you only had six channels on TV and you watched whatever the hell came on and they would mm-hmm. do the reruns of the Monsters and Addams family and we used to watch them all the time. So that that was probably my horror origins, myself, you know. Yeah. All right. So, for uh, fairly obvious reasons, this movie was rated R. I, I don't think there's much a uh, much of a dividing line there between, <laughs> and so, <laughs> if if not for just maybe like. Th- three or four separate scenes, this thing's getting rated R. And it was, uh, at least on IMDb, it's officially listed as a drama slash horror. As we said, this is Stanley Kubrick up and down and, and side to side. The cast, it stars Jack Nicholson, the, one of the best actors of all time, in my opinion, as Jack Torrance. Um, if you don't know who the hell Jack Nicholson is, what the hell's wrong <laughs> with you? Why are you listening to this? Go. <laughs> He's go, only the go. best golfer that ever played the yeah, game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I if you don't remember him from from anything other than sitting courtside at Lakers games, you should know who the fuck Jack Nicholson is. And even if you have a cursory knowledge of the NBA, you know what the Lakers are, and you see this dude in the front row. Probably not so much anymore. I mean, God, how old is he now? He's like 80 or 90-something now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think you see him as much anymore, and I think he's pretty much kind of a – I don't know if it's an official official retirement, but like he pretty much hasn't done anything like in the last 10 years or so. So I assume that he's pretty much hung it up by this point. So, yeah, we don't have to go deep into that. I mean, uh, I'll just list off a few. Chinatown, as good as it gets. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. The Departed. I mean, do I have to keep going? I mean, like, <laughs> we all know who Jack Nicholson is, and he's literally one of the best. And and this right here, and, and I think I saw some, uh, maybe it was one of those behind the scenes or something. It was like Jack Nicholson has a long line of uh, iconic movie moments, things that everyone will remember him for, but this is probably the one, right? The Shining. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. If, if, if even if you haven't seen it. You had to in, boil it down to one. If you had to boil it down to one, I would
1: say it uh, would be. I would think the Shining would be the most iconic. I mean, yeah, there might be people would disagree about. No, I think his performance here was better, but
0: but possibly everybody
1: but, knows Shining.
0: Yeah, and even if you don't, <laughs> even if you haven't watched The Shining, you know certain parts of this movie. Oh yeah. You You definitely know him at the door with the yeah him busting through. Here's John. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, like if you know Jack Nickle, you don't know Jack Nicholson from shit. You've never watched The Shining. You know that one. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so like, if for no other reason than that, there's that. You know, you don't have to go much further. It stars Shelley Duvall as Wendy Torrance, as Jack Torrance's wife. Once again, probably not. I mean, very known for sure. I mean, you know, I'd say most people that are film. Uh, enthusiasts know who Shelly Duvall is, but she's definitely not on the, you know, it goes downhill from here, right? Jack Jack Nicholson's at the top and then, you know, her and then everyone else. She's mostly known from, uh, she was Olive Oil and Popeye, <laughs> which came out right around <laughs> the same good,
1: time. Very good casting. Thing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Like that. I'm not a huge fan of that movie, but, uh, and I love yeah. Popeye. I've just never been a huge fan of that movie, but uh, yeah. Um, yeah. They nailed it with that you know, for sure. <laughs> um she was also in uh, one of those woody uh woody allen movies annie hall he, i'm sure you'd remember her from uh plenty of other things tv and movie and uh voice acting and uh here's another random uh <laughs> connection to what we were just talking about i think it was in the last episode that she was in the movie rocket man <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that Will, damn Will's that,
1: happy to hear that
0: <laughs> yeah 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 exactly we're gonna have to keep uh, a, a running total of uh, six degrees of connection to fucking Rocket Man and Harlan Williams at this point, because uh, it, it seems to keep coming up for some reason. <laughs> Another spot-on casting was Danny Lloyd as Danny, just <laughs> just for name-wise. I think it's hilarious that Danny <laughs> Lloyd played Danny and Jack Nicholson played Jack. Played Jack. The line? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> real, real imaginative there, but uh, I think it's pretty good casting. The kid did a good job. Not did sure exactly. Well, wait a minute. He was uh, born. Says here he was born in 1973, so that would make him yep. seven, that was my, was seven my years life. old. Yeah, yeah. So that would make him pretty much it. right at seven years old, maybe even six yeah. years old when he was filming it, give or take yeah, a few yeah. days. This is probably pretty much the only thing you would. Uh, no, this is it. This is it. <laughs> here's <laughs> it. <laughs> because I'll say here's his acting resume: three movies. Danny in the Shining. He was in a 1982 tv movie called will the autobiography of g gordon liddy and he played young liddy <laughs> <laughs> and then he has a, I uh i guess a cameo or something in dr sleep yeah that's it, <laughs> that, <was> it. <laughs> that is it so uh i guess he found something else to go on and do with his life apparently what i see here is that he just wasn't very interested in an acting career and that was funny too when I uh, when w- what we mentioned earlier about the uh the Vivian the documentary yeah, yeah yeah how did that little interview they had with him where he expected like oh, I'll make like two dollars I thought I'd make like two, <laughs> two or three dollars off of it. he's like well how much money do you think you get oh, I got at least or five or six hundred dollars and then the, and he's just laughing at him like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he probably made a few more bucks than that I would imagine I hope I would hope for, I would hope so for him and his family. <laughs> Stanley Cooper's going
1: quiet scry
0: about this. Yeah, yeah. That was another thing, by the way. I'll go back and mention that now since we're talking about money. The budget for this was $19 million and in the box office it made a, a little over $46 million. So I wouldn't necessarily say this was a huge—I mean, it's a, it's a hit for sure, and it's definitely remembered yeah. for what it is, but I wouldn't say at the time that you would measure that up it was as a huge blockbuster. Yeah, and this time, is definitely you know. not a blockbuster at the time for sure. I think it has found a, a, a 15th life over the years yeah. you know like
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it must have definitely been whenever it hit the movie channels cuz like i said when i saw it on the movie channel that thing must have aired every night for like i mean i'm exaggerating a little bit but, <laughs> but maybe not i don't know back the then you or, might
0: be right yeah
1: how they used to do that and then when it hit video of course it even had another life at that point and that and it's been released what how i don't know how many times over the course of the years in the theater cuz we saw it and you know, my wife saw it at uh whenever i think it was the i don't know if it was an anniversary we saw like a 4k version of it you know, I think it was before they released the 4K DVD Blu-ray of it, which I, which is how I watched it this time too, by the way, which is really nice picture. Although I don't, I have to say here, I don't watch the 4K with the comb filter on. You know what I'm talking
0: about? Uh-huh.
1: That gives it that soap opera effect. I don't know if you heard of that term.
0: No. For 4K, uh-huh. where it's uh,
1: if you oh, I know, a what TV,
0: t- yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's kind of yeah, got like a I cloudy kind of look to it. Yeah, it almost looks like
1: it looks. It's so vivid that it looks fake. Yeah, and it's because it uses this uh the rate, the I guess the refresh rate, whatever, how whatever the technology is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It smooths out movements. So the movements look, I guess they look more realistic, but in the, in doing that it makes it look more like video or more like more fake. <laughs>
0: yeah. It <laughs> looks like explain. a home video.
1: Yeah, it, yeah. Does. it just looks like a super crystal clear home video picture and I just don't I can't I, I have not been able to get used to that. Maybe with animations it's all right. But with movies I like movies to look like film. So we we got the 4K disc and we watch it on a 4K TV. I just don't turn on that filter that makes it that true that whatever that effect is, but it still looks better I think than and more crystal clear than your average Blu-ray. Yeah. But at least it still looks like film. So that's how we watched it and, uh, and that's how we saw it in the theater when they did that re-release of it. Pretty pristine looking, looks great that way, especially yeah, on a big screen.
0: I watched it streaming. Oh, like okay. like I watched my digital copy of it. I didn't actually like go yeah. through and plug in the Blu-ray this time. Okay. Um, I watched, uh, and I thought it looked really good. At least the, the oh, 4K yeah. streaming version of it, I mean, it looked really good. Mm-hmm. Better than I remember, like, the last time I sat down and watched the whole thing. You know, which has been, it's been a while since I sat down and watched this, for like, from start to finish. Before this, it's been a few years, but it, it seemed to me like this, this uh, version of it looked a whole lot better than the last version I watched of it. Um, yeah, I, got, I, I saw
1: it, in the, like I said, in the theater in that 4K, probably the same 4K scan version that the, DV, the Blu-ray was, and it was great. But before that... It probably was just a regular DVD of it, which looked okay, but not definitely not as good as this one. Yeah, looked. not smooth,
0: yeah, I, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, apparently, for, at least what it says on Box Office Mojo, is that this was released... Obviously, it had its release back in uh, 1980, but was it looks like, at least here domestically in the U.S., it was released at least three separate other times, I guess on some small release, back in 2012, okay. uh, 2012 back in 2017, and then last year, in 2019, in three markets last year, so um okay there were small re-releases i'm assuming those are probably like those fathom fathom events type deals maybe or
1: yeah i think that's what we we saw the 2019 one and yeah yeah, i believe it was a fathom event yeah and that was that new 4k version digital you know how they do in theaters now where it's (laughs) it's probably not too many theaters at least not not mainstream theaters that are even show film anymore they just you know show the uh digital feed of it Mm -hmm.
0: projected it was the that 4k version of it in 2019 is the one we saw i remember like i was trying to look at like the the box office numbers as far as like you know how did it do versus other movies at the time and all that stuff um, mm-hmm. it was hard it's hard to come up because apparently i guess they just didn't keep Like, full-on records back in 1980. I think we've ran into this before. Oh, yeah. You know, like... it's not so accurate once you get back to certain... Yeah, yeah. Like, for whatever reason, they didn't uh, keep the the, the extensive records. But, obviously, this came out right around the time as Empire Strikes Back. So, Mm -hmm. it was probably getting (laughs) butt-raped, to put (laughs) it mildly, (laughs) you know, uh, back in that time frame. Yep. Yeah, because I'm looking at the uh, uh, the box office that particular week. It's not even, in, like, as far, as far as on this list, which I, I would assume this is probably a somewhat incomplete list, the top five that particular weekend were number five, Rhodey. Never heard of it. Number I've th- heard of it, but I haven't seen it. I know, yeah. I know of it. Number four, The Island. Number three. Yeah, that's
1: another one I've heard of, but had not seen yet.
0: Number three, Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. Number two, Holy Moses. <laughs> Oh, yeah,
1: with uh, it was spelled like W-H-O-L-L.
0: Like, yeah, yeah, lessons, yeah. Uh, <laughs> From
1: Arthur, and uh, can't, I'm blanking his name out right now. Um,
0: Guy who played Arthur. <laughs> oh, Dudley uh, 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 Moore. Dudley Moore. Moore, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> and number one, uh, everyone's favorite, Bronco Billy. Ah, yes. <laughs> Clint Eastwood. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was that particular weekend that it came out, and I think most of the following weeks were fairly the same, you know, as far as, like, what was – what was hot at the time so yeah clearly empire strikes back was probably king of everything at this point you know so it's kind of just another movie um playing at the same time it still ended up making over 45 million which wasn't horrible but you know whatever so, it also stars Scatman Crothers oh, as, yeah. now, Scatman,
1: as Halloran. I was, you know, somebody else from my uh, childhood because of all the Hanna-Barbera and cartoon characters that he used to... Like Hong Kong Phooey, he was the voice of.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the Aristocats.
1: <laughs> yeah, Aristocats. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, Harlem Globetrotters. Remember the Scooby-Doo movies they used oh, to have? Yeah, Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Well, at least in the reruns. Like, where uh, it was Scooby-Doo meets the Harlem Globetrotters. I think he's the voice of one of the Harlem Globetrotters, too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just looking through... Uh, uh, without going through his whole filmography because on IMDb he's got 128 credits. <laughs> but, yeah. So uh yeah he he got around a little bit but he you would also remember him just from a few here at the top of the list. One flew over the cuckoo's nest. Another well,
1: Jack f- also wasn't.
0: <laughs> here's a, yeah exactly. Here's another which was only a year uh well 5 years I should, I'm sorry before the shining. But yeah mm-hmm. they clearly had worked together. Here's one that we will definitely get to eventually on here on the podcast. Twilight Zone the movie. Oh yeah. Of course he was the voice of Jazz in the Transformers or the Transformers yeah. movie. <laughs> Yep, um, <laughs> yeah, something I never heard of here. Apparently, he's the, he plays the jukebox in Rock Odyssey <laughs> from 1987. Oh, okay. I, I guess he's the yeah. narrator or something, whatever the hell this was. Um, <laughs> that'd be kind of fun to go back and uh, track that down and figure out what the hell was going on there. Like you said, Hanna-Barbera, he was in a show called Paws back in the 80s. Oh. I guess it was by some little uh, bears or something like that, and it's like everyone else. He was in an episode of the uh, at least at least one episode of the Love Boat. Um, Yeah, yes, (laughs) but that's like literally everyone from the eighties, seventies, and eighties. Yeah. You know yeah, that, they were
1: in, they were in this or that or this and that and then
0: oh in the Love Boat of course there was in one episode of the Love
1: Boat yeah <laughs> maybe Fantasy Island or something
0: <laughs> he was also like a songwriter or something right um uh, yeah a singer right yeah. too yeah um yeah unfortunately Which I think
1: it's where he got the Scatman name from right yeah where? I'm sure
0: I'm, I guarantee yeah without looking straight down his history uh, biography I, I guarantee he's got something to do with mm-hmm. that but unfortunately he passed away just uh, about what about six years later after this film's release he died in November of 1986 at the age of 76 so he had a good long good long career it's just uh unfortunately this was towards the end of it but he'll definitely be remembered in this for sure um, oh yeah one
1: other one i have mentioned from my childhood was or at least from my pre-adolescent
0: days was uh you ever heard of a movie called zap with uh, oh, scott yeah. bale <laughs> yep i remember watching that <laughs> I, for whatever reason when you mentioned that my the first thing that pops in my head is i remember watching that on uh USA Up All Night. God, what was that lady that used to host that? I can't think of her name right away. Uh, oh, yes. It was like a blonde-haired lady. Oh, shit. Yeah. Rhonda Shear, Was that her name? It could be. Uh, that sounds familiar soundtrack. without looking it up at all. Yeah. That that sounds yeah. familiar. But, uh, yeah, I remember watching that like late late one night, like on a weekend or so, Friday night or something. <laughs>
1: of course, they probably didn't, uh, it was on USA, and I know USA probably couldn't show everything. I remember that one was sure, already, yeah. right? Because it... <laughs> scott bale got those powers where he would like he could like well he could do all kinds of things with it but one of the things of course is an adolescent boy remember he
0: doing is zapping
1: women's clothes off yeah yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) we don't always go into it uh when we talk about the background of the movies and maybe we should a little bit more often i just kind of always forget about it but the composer the music in this movie uh the composer was wendy carlos i mean because how can you deny that uh at least, right. Even if it's just right there at the very beginning, as soon as this movie starts, wah, 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 you know that yeah. <laughs> that heavy. Synth. And I have
1: to go. I have to go off on that a little bit once we a little bit further here on what on that very note, that very theme. But yeah, like you're saying that that opening scene and with the with the footage. I mean, that like cinematography is beautiful there of the of just Jack in his car, which you don't even know it's him yet. You just see this Volkswagen like off in the sort of distance going around the bends, you know, and you see all this, lo- it's basically kind of like, it's eerie kind of loneliness, right, where he's, he's the only car on this road going up to the Overlook, well, you don't know where he's going yet, but he's going up to the Overlook for his interview, yeah. of course, before winter, so it's all these, you know, there's no ice, or, well, there's a little, maybe a little bit of ice on the mountain side yeah, of it. Yeah,
0: it's, it's cool, because it's almost like you can kind of see the landscape change, kind of like, you know, yeah. how you're watching it go yeah. along, and all of a sudden it kind of gets more snowier, you know, the higher elevations and all that, yeah. Mm. Um, the cinematographer on that, the cinematographer for this movie was John Alcott, who just like Scatman Carruthers passed away in 1986 and so not too long after that. But I guess he was kind of like Stanley Kubrick's guy because like, he's known for Barry Lyndon, Clockwork Orange. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 2001. Yeah. Very much so, like
1: yeah. Wendy Carlos that we we're just talking about is kind of his go to yeah. composer. So, his, um, so he
0: clearly had his people that he wanted working on his shit, mm. you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because I see it here like Wendy Carlos, uh, known for Clockwork Orange uh tron the shining of course like we were talking about and you know and her stuff's in a handful of other things but yeah garrett brown is the uh worked on this film and he is the inventor of the steadicam it seems like he had worked on the first two rocky movies but it actually looks like uh he was the steadicam operator on bound for glory in 1976 exorcist II: the heretic in 1977 the buddy holly story in 1978 rocky 2 and 79 and then The Shining. So I'm I'm guessing like if if he is the inventor of the Steadicam and the first one that's listed is Bound for Glory from 1976, I assume that means that must be one of one of if not the first movies he did work on this. And so he it's a relative, relatively new thing at the time, you know, which I'm assuming this came out in 1980. So most of the filming probably happened in 1979. So relatively new technology, the Steadicam, and you can definitely see it at play in this movie with the. Uh, the shots behind Danny, you know, riding on the tricycle, the trike or whatever that is, riding behind that and following them around. And some of the shots were like, you know, chasing behind somebody when they're, you know, like Jack's running after Danny or if uh, Wendy was running away or towards something or whatever, you know, the shots behind it. I mean, they, they definitely used the hell out of the steady cam in this movie.
2: Yeah, I mean, and it looks great. I mean, and like ultimately, like there is not a lot of new in the world. So, for somebody to come up with that, what, probably roughly 50 years ago, I mean, it's still relatively new. Yeah. Like, in the big scheme of things. Yeah, in the
0: grand scheme. Yeah, absolutely. Now, it's been used billions of times since then, but, you know, for something that kind of... Something that came along right around that time that just straight up revolutionized film, really,
2: yeah, you know, I would say probably like the closest thing to that now is is people using drones
0: or or the fact that like uh James Cameron like invents some new camera every time he makes a movie, you know
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: didn't did he invent like a a new three d camera or something like that for just uh, for avatar. just for avatar yeah. <laughs> The dude invented a whole new technology just for his movie. It's good to be king, man,
2: yeah, well, when
0: you when you got it, you got it.
2: <laughs> um, then he takes submarines down to the Titanic. Uh, all kind of good
0: stuff. <laughs> he can afford to go find ships in deep in deep sea. <laughs> um, but y- you'd almost be doing this movie a disservice if you didn't mention a couple of those people because they definitely helped make this movie kind of what it is. And uh, beyond what Stanley Kubrick, obviously, his vision of it and everything, but like just the music, the cinematography, everything just blends so well. And that was the other thing, too. Like At the time... It's all. It almost seems like we always talk about this, but at the time, I don't think critics were like really over the moon about this movie. It wasn't until much later on where they kind of like, well, let's go back and reevaluate. I guess you know. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And then they yeah, realized the greatness true. of it. It's weird, right? Like. Yeah, how
1: that happens at the time where it's like, I mean, how that that's happened with me before too. Like you know, a number of times where true. you see a movie initially and you yeah. think you yeah, know you know it's all right or whatever and then you go back and revisit it and you're like why didn't i like this movie more yeah that first time i saw it
0: <laughs> i think sometimes there's a couple things that go into that sometimes i think it's groupthink mentality like you, you hear a few people say i don't know and then now you kind of got that in your head right that preconceived notion. yeah which is why i don't like i used to sometimes like try
1: if this is a movie that i really want knew i was going to want to see i would try and find out a lot of things about it beforehand yeah but now i don't do that <laughs> yeah it's because probably the best you know you read stuff yeah. yeah or reading reviews or some somebody who's you For know, sure who's got yeah. a copy of it and been and, you know like these professional reviewers or whatever that have had their copy and they've seen it and they review it and yeah. i just don't want that influence on me because i don't know I, I just like to go in cold you know and see it and form my own opinions about it whereas like i said in the past i've if it's something i'm really interested in i, I used to like to dissect it as much as i could any little piece of something on it i would read it and or listen to it or watch this or that but yeah i just don't i don't do that anymore and these
0: these days that's a lot harder to do than it sounds because like yeah in the age of uh social media and clickbait it is hard (laughs) to get past not seeing like uh even now like like i said with clickbait man they'll just put it right there in the damn headlines even if you're not even meaning to see it you know like (laughs) first line says like the avenger sucks ass read on you know (laughs) see it you know (laughs) i didn't i didn't want to have that in my head
1: that are like they don't even put that, you know, there's going to be a spoiler that it's like, blah, right yeah, yeah, on, yeah. on your you know, Facebook or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like can, slide, you,
0: asshole. can you believe that uh, Captain America and Iron Man are dead from a gay murder-suicide <laughs> pact? What? <Yeah>. You know, <laughs> I got to click this now. <laughs> this movie just came out yesterday. Why are you putting that out right now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. For you, the listeners of the All American Spook Show podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30 day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. So, I mean, I guess it's a good time to point out that, you know, obviously you can go listen to The Shining, and uh, our next episode is going to be on Dr. Sleep. So, you can go uh, check out both of those books on Audible. Will, you've gave both of them a listen on there, right?
2: Yeah, I have, and and both of them are really good. I mean, as you get more and more audiobooks, you really have to adjust uh, to each reader. Forget who reads the The Shining, but uh, Doctor Sleep was read by Will Patton. Anything that I've seen him in, it seems like he's more of like a bit actor, but it, he's got a very defined voice. So like, even though you can't place his face, you can definitely place his voice as soon as he starts reading. It's always an adjustment phase for me anytime, like, I get a book. I mean, I did Ready Player One back in the day, and that was read by Will Whedon. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that definitely took, you know, probably a couple hours to adjust to, hey, it's the kid from Star Trek The Next Generation reading it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although that dude's, like, a king of, like, nerd culture, too, you know, kind of in the years oh, since. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. But, yeah, it's a good opportunity, you know, to use your uh, your uh, free credits there on your, um, on your Audible trial by using the... Uh, Audibletrial.com/spookshow. You know, you can go listen to The Shining or Doctor Sleep if you want to catch up on that before we do the next one, or if you just want to uh, hear it all from the beginning. You know, it's uh, it's pretty cool to uh, listen to, and, and especially when it's done by someone like uh, Will Patton. You know, which is uh, always kind of cool. To, you know, a seasoned veteran actor uh, reading a book. You know, they they add an extra spin to it, so that's always kind of cool. So, absolutely. Um, to download your free audio book today, go to audibletrial.com/spookshow. Again, that's audibletrial.com/spookshow for your free audio book.
1: Like, so you had mentioned the composer, Wendy Carlos, and then we were talking about that open scene uh, of Jack driving up to the Overlook and that that iconic, like, dun, <laughs> you know, the, so they're uh, yeah, the
2: <laughs>
1: very eerie and creepy, and uh, and I think there's a good reason why for that that uh, Wendy Carlos used those because that's those tones aren't necessarily you know she used it. In their own way, to come up with that uh, with that main theme, but uh, originally they come from uh, this classical piece from uh, Hector Berlioz called uh, "Dream of the Witch's Sabbath," back in I guess 1830 when he composed that. Wow. And it's, that's when that that initial. I mean, it's classical piece, so you hear all the you know violins and everything in there, and it's. But you hear those tones that. And there's it, actually a, uh, and then she wasn't our that composer Hector Berlioz wasn't even the first to use that either goes all the way back to like a medieval catholic hymn called a uh, Side Irae and i think d- different composers have done the version of Dies Irae like even i think Mozart they called those tones the devil's tritone and it's uh, just because it evokes like this eerie sort of evil sound you know those those three notes together later on you know not only did that influence those classical composers but even uh, black sabbath <laughs> whenever tony iommi came up with those that tone and uh the yeah, the black sabbath song you know black sabbath mm-hmm. that was he was using that devil's tritone and that's basically the birth of metal are those tones you know
0: so once again the the meeting of horror and metal yeah. come full yep. full circle <laughs> and come from classical music yeah and it's also funny too that you mention it and it's framed that way since like it almost seems like he went out of his way until he almost couldn't to take the supernatural aspect out of this movie that was in stephen king's novel yeah I mean, that you was know. really heavy in the novel, right? I mean, it's all about the supernatural and, like, something's yeah. going on in this fucking place. Meanwhile, in this movie, it's, like, it's there, and then eventually it becomes obvious to a certain point. Yeah. I mean, because there's still one... don't know how much of it might be... True, but there's one undeniable it moment is... in this movie yeah. that we'll oh, get yeah. into. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, what the fuck, right? You know, uh... But... And, and, then a, and then a few more a little bit later on. <laughs> <Yeah>. But, uh... <laughs> that yeah it seems like he tried to go as far as he could like i'm not making this supernatural i'm not making it super okay it is you know (laughs) (laughs) meanwhile stephen king leaned in which you know obviously he's going to because that's kind of what he does right but it's just funny there that you you set it up with that music and talking about the background of that that has that that supernatural (laughs) tone but if nothing else that eerie like something bad's gonna happen kind of music going right you know like yeah, he, he, he definitely they set the tone very well right at the beginning. So uh, I, I guess, you know, with that, we'll just lead right into uh, going into the movie because that's a perfect setup. So it starts with the aerial shots of them driving to or uh, as you tur- as it turns out, it's just Jack going up to the overlook for his interview. But you got a, a lot of these cool aerial shots, like these sweeping shots over a lake and just his car driving on the side of mountains and different elevations and Little stuff fun. like that.
1: Really cool stuff. And that's like a little copse of land, right? This little whatever with some trees on it in the water. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, the camera I mean, just glides by. Just
0: some awesome shots, especially for the time. You know, like now you're like, oh, that's drone work, and they do this and that, and you know how they achieved it. But <laughs> then you're like, man, that, that's really cool for 1979, you know, or 1980 <laughs> to have pulled some of these shots off. It's really good shit.
2: I think the the to start off the movie, I think it's really trying to give you that that kind of haunted, eerie feel. You know, like kind of leading you into the. To the hotel mm-hmm. uh, I, th- I think that comes across really well i mean i think it's interesting kind of jumping ahead to dr sleep where they kind of reenact the the exact same shots
0: yeah and I'm, we'll get deep into that in the next in the next one for sure
1: A- but as the- and while we talk about that too i know kubrick wasn't even there for that he uh he sent his uh second unit in <laughs> to do the shots because yeah. i think he never he didn't like to leave the uk at that during this time period i think and he, he sent his second unit in get those shots and come back those are those external shots that were shot in the US the rest of it was in UK the movie was shot
0: at the Timberline Lodge it's a, like it's a terminal. hotel and or, or I don't know the particular town or whatever but it's in the state of Oregon those are like the exterior shots that you see of the overlook hotel and then the rest of the movie was shot in England where they made like a massive set of like the interior the inside of the hotel and Some of the other stuff, I guess that maze and everything that they, uh, some parts of it at least that they built, like, they didn't build that massive maze. They just built, like, certain parts of it. And then I think some of it was, like, model work and mat work and all that stuff to kind of blend them together, which is one of the the more iconic or really cool moments of the movie, you know, that we'll get into where he's, like, looking down at the model and everything. Yeah, that was all done in England. That goes to what you were saying about him wanting to kind of stick around England. You know, so he didn't even do, uh, or he wasn't even present for those uh, aerial shots that you see at the beginning. Mm. But yeah, basically, and also this is when the credits roll up too. You know, Jack Nicholson, Shelley Duvall, you see the names and everything, and then The uh, the uh, The Shining. You know, this is when you see that, when you're seeing these aerial shots and the music playing and everything. So then you're introduced to uh, Jack Nicholson's character, Jack Torrance, and he's uh, there to interview to be the caretaker for the winter because it's a big ass hotel that you know they they basically take off during the winter because the snow gets too deep and you know and there's really no there's no skiing up there where they're at they're kind of too far off the path it's very secluded so they just want somebody to stay there in the winter to make sure the I guess make sure the place doesn't burn down or something, you know, so somebody has to stay there. So he's, uh, interviewing for that and he's going to be up there with his family. And then basically like, I guess it's just an agreement. Like, yeah, he's going to do this. Like, you know, (laughs) there's not much of a, he doesn't have to make much of a sale. They just kind of explain it to him. He's like, yeah, yeah, that'll be nice. All right. Well, you got the job, you know?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. There's the, Although they do go over the uh, what happened, right? <laughs> what yeah, yeah, yeah. They get, a, yeah, they eventually and the get the on his face when they're telling him that. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> But right after this, you're also introduced to Wendy and Danny. They're at home, and like she's talking to him, like, uh, "Are you excited about going up there?" And He's like, "No, I don't want to." And this is when you realize he's got like a little imaginary food. imaginary friend <laughs> named Tony that apparently Are lives you? in <laughs> his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> He he goes and hides like, in his stomach. Yeah, and hides in his stomach. <laughs> but he just kinda of moves his finger like, I don't want to go up there. Mrs. Torrance. Which so, kinda of reminds
1: you as a kid, you know, you where is Dumpkin?
0: This is when like they go back and then they, you see uh Ullman, which is like the guy that runs the hotel, he's explaining to Jack what happened in the past here. Like, uh yeah, apparently uh the dude that was the caretaker back in nineteen seventy, uh his name was, uh like, something Grady, right? This is His last name's Grady. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, he just went off the deep end and uh, killed his uh, twin daughters and his wife and, and killed himself.
1: Put uh, <laughs> <laughs> both barrels of a shotgun in his mouth. <laughs> and Jack's just sitting there looking. I'm, like, kind of, like, stunned. Well, you know, it looked like Jack usually has. A...
0: Yeah. <laughs> you mean the Jack Nicholson oh. everyday look? <laughs> yeah, yeah. what they say? The resting <laughs> bitch face of Jack Nicholson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just the way he looks. So, yeah, he's kind of uh, nonplussed, I guess. You know, he's like, wow, well, I'm glad you told me that, but I'm I'm good. Like, I'm yeah, good. they
1: did not mention that.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can
1: see why they didn't mention
0: <laughs> Then you cut back to Danny, who, who has, like, a vision from his imaginary friend Tony or whatever, you know, as you come to find out what it is a little bit later on. But, like, he has this vision of a bl- the bloody elevator, the, the shot that you see a number of times in this movie, but it's another one of those iconic shots of yeah. the elevator slowly opening up and then blood just comes flooding out of the elevator. And then he sees like a flash of two twin girls. They're dressed in like the little Debbie white and blue (laughs) skirts, you know, (laughs) holding hands. You see this a number of times throughout the movie. So once again, if you, if you've never even really seen this movie all the way, you know, these images, right? You know, the
1: movie it's from, even if you've never seen
0: it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So this is like the first time you see this in the movie. Uh, but then apparently he, uh, I guess when he sees this vision, he passes out because then you cut back to, uh, Wendy there with a doctor, like, and he's laying in his bed, and the doctor's, you know, look, examining him, and she's, uh, starts asking him questions about uh, who's Tony, his imaginary friend and all that. And, and it's kind of going back and forth, like, I guess trying to drag out, like, what the hell's going on here, what's wrong with him? And, and they just kind of dismiss it as, like, well, you know, it's just kids being kids kind of thing, you know. Uh, sometimes mm-hmm. they uh, just deal with things differently than everyone else, I guess, so it just kind of is what it is. And Wendy tells the doctor the story. Of when uh, he was a little younger, Jack separated Danny's shoulder when he was messing around with some papers and he pulled his arm and it separated his shoulder. But like, other than that, you know, everything's fine. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah I just a it. little.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's just things that dads do. You know, they just separate your shoulder from your body. <laughs> Clearly, being the kind of kind of abused wife kind of thing going on here, you know, yeah, like, yeah, kind
1: of making excuses, yeah, yeah, it's making kind of the excuses for up. bad
0: shit kind of thing going on there. And but apparently, like he had been drinking, and then ever since then, he promised he wouldn't drink anymore, and he hasn't drank for like five or six months or something like that. So then, this is when you see the 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 uh, the, the title screen. It says closing day. So then now, Jack is uh, he's gone back to get Wendy and Danny, and they're driving up to uh, the Overlook, and when they get there. Like, it's funny, like, Jack's sitting there eating, like, a sandwich. I guess they made him some food. And Wendy and Danny are off doing something, looking around. And he's sitting there reading a magazine. Did you notice what the magazine was? What was it? Not this time around. It's a Playgirl magazine. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) He's just sitting there leisurely in the hotel lobby reading a fucking copy of Playgirl. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Once again, pointing out, like, I point out, Kubrick didn't do anything accidentally. So what the hell was that (laughs) What did that have to do with anything?
2: Who who knows, man? Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe he's just trying to, you know, point out a sign of the times or something, you know, like everybody's kind of open. I guess. Uh, I don't know. It, it's really weird. I mean,
0: all the open sexuality of the late 70s.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's It's weird. Kind of get even getting away from that, you know, like different people have different hangups, right? Like, you know, every once in a while you get on a plane, you'll look over. Here's a person with a nudie magazine yeah. just sitting there and just reading, the- looking at it like it's it's the New York Times,
0: just reading a hustler on a on an airplane,
2: <laughs> and and you're sitting there thinking, here's like a kid like a road diagonal to you. What are you doing? <laughs> you sick bastard. <laughs> but can you flip the page? I didn't. I, I didn't get to read that article. Go, go back, please.
0: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Which is odd, but you know, nineteen seventy-nine or eighty, whatever. It is. <laughs> they just I guess the
1: Playgirls laying around the lobby. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess it's Playgirls. just the way it
0: was back then. I wonder play- if they had Pit House Cherry. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> go ahead. Here's a magazine, so if I can look at it, and they didn't care what it was, whatever. I don't know, but no. And the, getting back to that other
1: documentary, I was talking about that Room Two Thirty Seven. That's that's kind of what they pointed out in that too. Like these things that were in certain shots. You Know where is it? Was it just coincidence because it is Stanley Kubrick, you know, or did it really mean something? Else? Yeah, they make some good and, points about that stuff. And that
0: was one thing I was alluding to earlier about how many takes he would do or something. There are certain um, scenes in this movie where he did some people reported the takes were like anywhere from like they did like 50 takes on certain scenes 100. all the way to like a hundred and something takes. Yeah. And apparently, I think some of them were like
1: Scatman Crothers, right? Because I remember, him yeah, yeah, talking about an interview where he had. Never done so many
0: takes before, like yeah, like like a
1: hundred at one time, you know.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I think one particular scene, which is coming up in a little while, when uh, Hilarion is like you know at his house in Miami, and then he gets like the, the vision or whatever the shine yeah. from right. Danny. That scene right mm-hmm. there, where he's kind of like shaking in bed and looking up. They, they reportedly like they did that like a hundred and something times to the point where he was literally crying. Yeah, like <laughs> he was like mental <laughs> distress, that. you know? <laughs> Please. I don't wanna do this that's no what, more.
1: What, and that shining documentary that Vivian Kubrick made, remember that scene where Scatman is crying? Yeah. That's
0: that, probably that, when I they were... help
1: but think that you know, he's probably crying because he's like maybe this was the last day of the shooting for him or something. He's like, Finally. Yeah. Fucking die. <laughs> he's probably
0: just like, Oh God, please <laughs> Instead he's like speaking glowingly, but I can't believe I got to work yeah, with yeah, these people yeah. and I'll never yeah, forget yeah. this for the rest of my life. <laughs> Meanwhile I'm he only lived he six more him. years and uh <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, and then immediately after that he did a movie with uh, Clint Eastwood I forget which one it was right now you oh. know who is known for doing pretty much just one take so it's probably yeah, much
0: yeah. easier <laughs> I'm saying God this is a fresh breath of air thank lord <laughs> you know, I'm done with the scene damn <laughs> yeah so after probably Jack like is,
1: hours.
0: <laughs> so after Jack is reading his uh, copy of Playgirl there he gets up and you know alright we're gonna go take a look around the hotel and you know this is kind of like these a bunch of scenes where they're just showing them the whole hotel like you know literally like going from uh place to place and showing showing them everything there. Uh Danny is in the uh p- game room and he sees the two twin girls. Like he turns around and there's two twin girls. I think he even says something to them like hi or whatever and then like he turns around and they're gone or something like that, right? Yeah. So now you get like what the fuck is going on here already instantly, you know. And then I see like a woman showing uh Jack and the family around or whatever. He 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 lays in the line. Yeah, I believe this was a uh, Back, like, built like they started construction in 1907. It was built, it was finished in 1909, and I believe it was built on an old Indian burial ground. So, now, <laughs> yeah. so if, you, if you're if you playing your bingo game at home, kids, Indian burial ground, you can go ahead and mark it off. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't do it. Just, you know, yeah, yeah, it's a house built on one, get the fuck out of there. Yeah, bad idea. Just the bad. If you hear the words Indian burial and ground in the same sentence, you probably just want to go ahead and, well. The old Spongebob mean, I'm gonna head on eight <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just, just take take your leave right there. Um, this is when you're introduced to the chef, the head chef there's Dick Halloran, um, which is once again Scatman Crother's character. Um, and he shows Wendy he takes Wendy and Danny off separately and like shows them the kitchen and everything. And this is when you realize that like there's something weird going on where Halloran's talking, but then like he can speak with his mind to Danny. He's like, yeah. So over here we got the the ketchup and the mustard and everything. And he kind of cuts his eyes over at Danny, like, want some ice cream, Doc? <laughs> 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 with his mind, his mind. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and then uh, he he gets Danny to himself, you know, and gives him ice cream. And then kind of explains that, like, uh, you know, uh, you, we can kind of talk with each other without speaking a word, you know. And my me and my grandma used to do it. and We called it the Shine. So the Shining is, you know, this is where it comes from.
1: Yeah, there's where you finally get, like, what the heck is this movie titled, The Shining? I mean, yeah, if you hadn't read
0: the book, you know. Yeah, yeah. Now you're like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that's what The Shining is. <laughs> So then he says, like, he uh, he has some, uh, uh, he tells he tells Halloran that he's had some visions of the h- hotel before he even came there. And he says something about room 237. He's like, uh, is there anything into room 237? No, there's nothing in there, but stay the fuck out of room 237. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There ain't nothing there at all, but I swear to God, if you go into that room, <laughs> you get no ice cream for a year. <laughs> yeah, you like that ice
2: cream? You ain't gonna have it no more, dummy.
0: <laughs> you stay out of room two thirty-seven.
2: It's almost like that scene in uh, uh, Never Too Young to Die. Uh, what, what was the uh, what's the name of the main character in that? Stargrove. Stargrove. Star.
0: Stargrove. <laughs> How could you forget Stargrove? <laughs> Which I guess that's a good, a good uh, spot to point out as well. One thing that I saw that apparently, you know, obviously in the book, it's room 217. But uh-huh. in the movie, they changed it to room 237 because the hotel that they did the exteriors in Oregon, Timberline Lodge or whatever it was called, they, yeah. they have a room 217 in that hotel, but they do not uh-huh. have a room 237. So they ask him, okay, can you change it to 237 just because, you know, we don't want people, blah, 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 right? You know, the connection. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Then, then <laughs> yeah. okay, now the ironic twist is everyone that stays there wants room 217. So <laughs> it, it didn't do shit. It didn't do <laughs> shit. Yeah. <laughs> people still ask for this room to this day, apparently. But, yeah, that's apparently why they changed it is uh just, just so they could, I guess, avoid that room for some reason. You know, was it, uh... I'm just totally off. This, but when you said
1: 217, too, and I've forgotten about that in the book, but wasn't 217 something to do with Jeffrey Dahmer as well? Didn't it? Wasn't his apartment 217? I could be wrong, but Lord knows you could be right. <laughs> I'm not sure. Just... I don't recall, but yeah. The only reason I'm thinking about that right now is because I'm pretty sure there's a Slayer song called 217, which is about Jeffrey Dahmer.
0: Yeah, maybe I don't know. <laughs> which, if so, that's a, another fucked up, weird coincidence. If that's true. <laughs>
1: We have to look that up. We have to fact
0: check this. Yeah, yeah. Spook Show listeners, please fact check uh, <laughs> Professor Smoke. on <laughs> Jeffrey
1: Dahmer's... Uh...
0: Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I did read that. I thought that was pretty interesting. It's like we, they go through all this trouble of changing the room number and then it didn't do shit. <laughs> I guess they discounted the not only the popularity of eventually, obviously, of this movie or even at the time, but also the popularity of the book. Because now people are going to connect. Well, now we know there's a physical place. What place is this? Okay, it's the Timberline. Okay, now I want to go to room two seventeen because I read the book, and the book is better than the movie. You know, (laughs) people are like this, dude. People get obsessed with this shit, and they're you know they're just gonna they're gonna go down the rabbit hole whether you like it or not. So yeah. Um. All right. So in the movie, back to the movie, you see uh, the slate uh, right after this. It says a month later. So now you know everyone's gone except for uh, the Torrance family. They're the only ones there in the hotel. Jack says he's got this weird feeling like he's been here before, like he remembers. It's like he, it's almost like he recalls every little, like, what's around the corner and everything. Everything's familiar to him. It's like he's been here before. So, where <laughs> little deja vu thing going on there. But obviously, he's, he's like struggling to write because he also, like, that's part of the reason he took the job. Well, I guess we failed to point out is that, um, he's a, uh, aspiring author. So he kind of like, well, I'll take the job to look after the overlook, but I can also use this time to kind of be in seclusion and write my <laughs> book. <working> so. Um, <laughs> But of course, instantly he's got the rider's block, you know, he's struggling to write. So then uh, Wendy takes Danny outside while he's riding and uh, they go into the maze. like there's this huge like uh, hedge hedge maze, like a labyrinth out in the front of the hotel. It's like this enormous like what would you say like 15, 20 foot tall hedges? It's yeah, a maze. Yeah. I mean, they're massive. It's it's yeah, huge, really cool. It's massively yeah, yeah. tall to where you definitely couldn't see where the hell you oh, were. Yeah, if you're in you'd <laughs> be fucked if you got in the middle of this thing, especially, like, if it's based off that model that you see. Like, yeah, that you know, model. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, it's like, you know, a football field, bigger than
1: a football field. Oh, yeah, it's
0: huge. <laughs> um, But this is when you get the cool shot of, uh, so, like, Wendy and Danny are inside the maze, but then you go back to Jack in the uh, hotel, and he looks down, like, there's this huge model on a table of the maze, And it's like he's looking down at the maze, and then you look, and you can see Wendy and Danny walking around in the middle of the maze. Which is a really fucking cool shot, you know, how they they do the the transition, you know, from him looking into this maze to seeing them down in there. And apparently they did this by, like, they built a model, like a life-size model, I guess, of just the middle part. And then they got, like, an overhead shot of them walking around in there, and then they, like, matted it to that model. Yeah, yeah, like, perfectly to make it look like... You know, I guess to the painting or whatever the hell this was, or the model of this maze, they matted it to it and made it look like you could see him in the middle of it, and then you just kind of zoom in with the aerial shot. So it's a really cool um, trick of the camera, you know, and some edit, clever editing there on this shot. Yeah. Um, so then you see the uh, the title on the screen says Tuesday, and this is another one of those cool scenes where Danny is riding his little tricycle, his little uh, bike. Around the uh, hotel, and this is when the cool sound thing too. Like you know, he's he's riding it along, and you can hear the. There's no music or anything. You can just hear the sound of the wheels on the hardwood floors, and then the carpet. Hardwood carpet. Yep. You know, riding around the carpet. He eventually comes to the door of room two thirty-seven. So of course he's got. Oh, to yeah. get... This is <laughs> a good
1: time, by the way, for me to mention that I just fact checked myself, and I was wrong. <laughs> it's two thirteen. Ah, okay. Sleep, well, so
0: close enough. Not. not yeah, it's close, <laughs> not too far off. Which would have it definitely would have been a creepy coincidence though, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that that's a cool like thing, you know, the the sound and everything. And then of course he comes to room two thirty seven, and and of course he's got to get off the bike and go like try to walk in, and of course the door is locked. <laughs> so then he cut to a scene with Jack and Wendy, like where she's like, "Hey, how's the writing going? I'll go make you some sandwiches, and I can read it." <laughs> and he just tells her to go fuck herself. <laughs> <laughs> you can do me a favor and just fuck off. <laughs> when I'm in this
1: room, yeah, whether I'm typing or whether I'm not typing or whatever the fuck
0: I'm doing, <laughs> you don't come into the fucking room. <laughs> now, want you do? want not you start right now and get the fuck out? out. Say, <laughs> like, oh, damn, man. <laughs> unnecessary oh, but you know lines, you can man. see he's starting to uh slip a little bit here like shit's, yeah <laughs> shit's getting to him subtitle or title on the screen says thursday <laughs> this is an it's a very short scene but like wendy and danny are outside playing in the snow because now the snow has done come set in like you know huge amounts of snow it's storming but they're outside playing in the snow and then jack it's like st- like in a turtleneck staring out the window like all cra- <laughs> all crazy looking he's just staring blankly out the window at them <laughs> And then the title comes up again It says Saturday. <laughs> then you see Wendy uh, trying to get the phones to work. They don't work. So she goes over to the radio and then she radios like the park rangers or whatever. And uh, they tell her, that they confirm that the phones are down. And, you know, they may not be back up. So you probably need to leave your radio on, you know, from here on out. So then Dan- another shot of Danny on his tricycle again going down the hallways. And then he eventually cuts the corner and then the two girls are sitting, standing there. And then they say, hello, Danny. Come play with us. Come and play with us forever." and ever and ever <laughs> and then, then this is interspersed <laughs> with like flashes of like their murdered like their bodies, bodies right? on, <laughs> on the floor <laughs> like the axe murder. i think even like the axe is laying on the floor next yeah. to their bodies yeah. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. so yeah this is uh some pretty fucked up stuff uh title on the screen again says monday danny wants to he's watching tv with Winnie and he wants to go get his fire truck and jack's asleep in the room so he goes and sneaks in there he says i won't wake him up and when he goes in, Jack's just sitting there in the in the bed, just staring, <laughs> staring out the window or some shit. And he goes and at over this
1: point too. I can't remember if it was before the scene or if it's. I think it's around the scene. Whenever they're watching TV, Jack, uh, um, Wendy, and uh, and Danny, did you notice where? Did you notice the TV? There's no plug. Like there's, you know, the TV's going, but there's no plug going. You can see very clearly see the TV because it's on legs. You know, it's got legs, so it's kind of up in the air a little bit there's no cord going anywhere to that TV I like I didn't, being plugged in <laughs> I didn't notice that um, yeah, that's something that they talk about to also in that uh, that other documentary thing Oh, okay <laughs> you know about that scene about the fact that they're watching this TV with with no
0: electricity on it or no, you know it's not plugged in or whatever yeah yeah there's no cord anywhere <laughs> <laughs> this also helped Kubrick frame the moon landing by the way uh <laughs> with the TV with no plug <laughs> um so anyways like he ends up uh, he goes into the room and Jack's just sitting there and then he ends up sitting in his dad's lap and you know they're kind of talking about like uh how he's liking things here and then uh jack says yeah i, I think i'd kind of like to stay here forever it's so good forever and ever and ever this <laughs> <laughs> is kind of right after that last scene you're like what yeah and then like uh danny asks him like would you ever hurt us He no i'd never hurt you you know so clearly there's some uh weirdness going on there i guess you know kind of <laughs> getting getting kind of in, in jack's mind that like wendy's putting shit in his head right you know kind of Sowing some yeah. seeds of distrust, you know, kind of uh, innocently. Um, then you see the title. D-ball, Danny's like,
1: uh, let's go get my truck down. Yeah. let's <laughs> <My truck? laughs> go get that fire engine I, was? I came that in here fire <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: This is weird. <laughs> um, so now you see the title screen Wednesday. So Danny's sitting on those, like like you pointed out earlier, the iconic carpet, like the the brown and red or whatever the color of carpet. Yeah. You know, he's sitting there playing with his cars. and all of a sudden a ball. Just rolls right in between, like right up to him, but he looks up and there's nobody around. So he starts yelling for his mom, nobody's around, and he looks over. It also, why is he playing in this random hallway right next to room 237? Right. <laughs> it's
1: because it's Mr. Halloran told him not to.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess. It's just, it's in his head now. He, just, he told me not to do it, so fuck him. <laughs> fuck that old man, I'm just going to do what I want to do. But he's playing in the hall right next to this, so like, of course, he goes over and the door is open, so he goes. I guess With the you know, key's
1: sitting in the door, right? Yeah, yeah, the key, key yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: Um, so then you don't see him go in, but you assume he goes in there. And then you hear yeah, Jack. He's, I
1: guess he thought his mom was in there, right? Because he keeps calling for. Yeah, I guess, mom?
0: Yeah, maybe she's in there, you know. So he goes on in. Um, then it cuts to Jack. Like he's having, he's asleep, you know, next to his typewriter, and he's like screaming. Wendy hears this and comes running. She's like, "What's wrong?" I just dreamed I just had a messed up dream that I just killed you. I just killed you both with an axe. It's like it's very vivid, right? Like, he's right out there. Yeah, I just killed the shit out of y'all in my dream. <laughs> 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 and as she's kind of dealing with that, Danny walks in the room and he, uh he's got he's got like scratches and bruises or whatever on his neck and his shirt is torn that he was wearing. So she immediately accuses Jack of uh grabbing a hold of him again. Which well, she's like, "What the fuck, you know, uh I, I was clearly just having this nightmare or whatever, but like, she's just dismissing that because obviously she you know, she's like, well, there's only the three of us in here, and I didn't do it, so you must have done this, you son of a bitch, and like takes him and runs off. So then Jack kind of like goes to drown his sorrows, I guess, and he eventually just kind of uh, walks along to the gold room, which is like this huge ballroom inside the hotel, and uh, he walks over to the bar, and although there's nothing there, there's no one in there. He's like, damn, I'd give my soul for a drink, and he's got his eyes over, or his hands over his eyes. <laughs> then as he is uncovers them, there's a dude standing there with a bunch of drinks. <laughs> um, Lloyd, the bartender, stands there and, like, uh, gives him whiskey and everything. Like, it's this whole scene where, like, you know, he, uh, is this really happening or not, right? I guess that's the question, you know, in the viewer's mind. Like, is this all in his head or yeah? is or this is really supernatural now? Yeah, yeah, is this is <laughs> something really happening here? And you don't really know. Then Wendy comes into the room. And Jack's sitting there by himself at the bar. So this is where you're kind of like, was that in his head, or you know, was he seeing
1: it? But now she doesn't see it, but he still sees it, maybe. Yeah, yeah.
0: So you don't really know what the fuck. But she comes in and says, "There's someone. There's a there's a woman loose in the hotel." That's what Danny just said. Like the woman grabbed a hold of him and did that. And then Jack's like, "Are you out of your fucking mind?" so then uh this is when you cut back to this is when halloran finally gets involved again you cut to halloran he's at his uh house in miami which dude's a pimp i'll say that yeah (laughs) yeah he's just laying in his bed but like he's got like a nude portrait (laughs) like not not like just a like a fucking cut out of a magazine or something like that He's got, like, a velvet
1: nude... Like, well-framed,
0: like, framed (laughs) This is full-on, like, like nude artwork (laughs) uh, up on his front of his bed and up on, like, the head of his bed, too. So he's got, like, two of these things hanging up. But he's just (laughs) laying there in the bed, and he gets, like, the uh, the shine, you know, the shining from Danny. Like, Danny's in distress, and I guess he's kind of, like, calling out to Halloran. And he can sense it all the way from, you know, fucking Colorado to uh, Miami, where he's at. So then Jack... Goes to room 237 to check out, you know, like, is there a woman in there or whatever. And as he walks in and he sees a, a naked woman in the tub. She gets up out of the tub. I mean, and this is full on. This this is like, like I said, this is what they would have cut out of the TV version, right, for sure. Oh, yeah. She yeah. Gets, yeah, the whole scene pretty Yeah. <laughs> she gets out of the tub, full on nude, you know, like you're seeing boobs and uh vag and everything <laughs> and she comes walking toward him and then uh they just grab a hold of each other and start making out and then he sees her reflection in the mirror and like turns out she's just some dead hag <laughs> you, know, like, you can see like, yeah, like
1: missing pieces of rotten yeah, yeah like on her back,
0: on her back. he's like and just <laughs> freaks freaks out and just takes takes off like and meanwhile close.
1: she's just like laughing and cackling like a witch like
0: ah. <laughs> and she just <laughs> he just runs out and like locks the door and then he goes back to when he's like well did you see anything nope didn't see anything at all matter of fact i think danny did this to himself <laughs> i guess he didn't want to admit to making out with a dead hag in order in old room 237 so then uh danny has another one of his visions and he sees like uh red rum written on a door and uh you know like red i, I guess you assume it's blood or whatever And then you see that elevator again, and then, and this is right as, like, Jack and Wendy are, like, having an argument about, like, leaving. Like, Wendy wants to go and take Danny to a doctor, and he's like, this is when Jack loses it. Like, what the fuck, you know? Like, you always fuck up my life, and I'm not going to let you fuck this up. Like, he just berates her, you know, just for wanting to leave. (laughs) Once again, like, sliding quickly down a hill here, old Jack. (laughs) (laughs) Then you cut to Halloran calling the ranger to check on him, and, like, the ranger calls back and can't get him, can't. Uh, get him up on the radio or anything like that. No one's answering. So then you cut back to Jack going back into the gold room, and now it's not just the bartender; it's like a full-on fucking party going on <laughs> in the yeah, yeah, like in, in the gold room. Forty's bar room, yeah.
1: 40s, uh, what do you call it? The ballroom. Scene. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a uh, yeah, like a, a big big time to do in this ballroom. All of a sudden, like hundreds of people sitting around drinking Black and having fair, the, tuxes and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, he gets another drink, and the butler comes by and spills some kind of drink all over him. Um, and then he, uh, let me let me take you to the bathroom and clean this up. And then that's when Jack realizes this is Grady, the old caretaker of the place oh, yeah. that, that went off and killed <laughs> yeah. his family. Or, you know, that they referenced earlier in the movie. This is the weird shit where he calls him out on it and, and he's like, uh, well, no, sir, you're the caretaker. You've always been the You've caretaker. Been. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, whoa? And then he basically tells him like you need to kill your family, you know, in a roundabout way. <laughs> I took care of my family. Now you need to take care of your problem. <laughs> um, so then, oh yeah, and then there's the use of the N word there too. I should mention. <laughs> oh, we're talking about Halloran, yeah, yeah, yeah. When it, like uh, your your son has a talent, and he's using that talent to bring a, a N word chef into the <laughs> into into the uh, to do this, and you need to correct your family is what he says. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, he, just he, pointing he's a out a willful
1: it, boy, a very willful boy, if you don't mind my saying. Yeah, <laughs> talking about Danny.
0: <laughs> if you don't mind me being forthright, sir, he's a very willful boy. So yeah, basically, he's like, yeah, you need to kill your kid and your wife. <laughs> 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 so I just pointed that out because it's pretty rugged there with the uh, the old N word there. But <laughs> just be cautious oh, yeah. if you haven't seen it that that's in there. At least you know this one little part. So then uh, Danny. Wakes up yelling red rum like when he wakes up, um, and he just he keeps keeps yelling it like you know when he's like grabbing a hold of him and he's talking like Tony. Then you see Jack, you know, going to take care of things right. He goes into the radio and takes like I guess it's like the transistors or something out of the radio. I'm not sure exactly what party yeah, took, yeah, but he, like yeah, he like pops them out. Or something like yeah, <laughs> some kind of tubes or something. Yeah, and he pulls them out of the radio. Then the title on the screen says 8 a.m. Then there's this whole long scene here where you see Halloran like flying on a plane. Then he arrives and uh, makes a call and gets, like, a rental car or something and mm-hmm. drives down to get a snowcat, you know. And then he's, like, trying to make his way towards the hotel. Then Wendy uh, wants to go talk to Jack, and she picks up a bat, <laughs> which is usually, the way, yeah, which is usually <laughs> the way you want to go talk to your husband. is You make sure you have the bat first. <laughs> um, but she takes a bat, and then, like, she comes up on the typewriter there, and then she looks at it, and it says... All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy, like written, like, or typed, yeah. like, 80 times. And then she looks over at, like, the yeah, script. Yeah, not,
1: not even just all all in one sentence, either. It's, like, actually, like, what, night? here's a little typeset, little paragraph by
0: itself of all work and no play, and then the full yeah. page of it. <laughs> and, it and then, it, as it turns out, right next to it, there's, like, hundreds of pages <laughs> of this. Clearly spent some time. Typing all this out, which is fucking crazy, right? Obviously, Jack come, turns out he's right behind her, and it's like, so how do you like my work or whatever, you know? <laughs> then they he kind of confronts her, like, uh, you know, and she's kind of got the bat, like, back up, Jack, you know, like, and they, they just it kind of heats up and up and up. Finally, she's kind of backing up the steps, and uh, she's like, uh, he's like, come on, give me the bat. I'm not gonna hurt you; just gonna bash your brains in. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, first
1: of all, they talk about taking them. I want just want to take him to see a doctor. <laughs>
0: Doesn't yeah, lie. and he not take and, him to see a doctor. Yeah, he's mo- he's mocking <laughs> her and everything. And like, yeah. yeah. And I, once again, I think this was another one of those scenes that they did like eighty times. Yeah, yeah. When they were filming this, So I'm sure it was like harrowing as shit by the time you know the cut of the one that we saw. Like, <laughs> when you've done this so many times, like you man, it's got to be you know fucking racking you you know, physically and mentally to be doing this. But yeah, that line, I'm not going to hurt you. Just going to bash your brains yeah, in. I'm not
1: going to hurt you. You didn't let me finish. I'm yeah. not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains in. Bash them right the fuck in. Yeah.
0: Bash them right the fuck in. <laughs> uh, Man, he's got some great lines. Yeah, <laughs> some yeah. Some great fucked up lines. Um, but, of course, she finally, like, has enough, and she swings the bat and hits him, and then he, like, rolls down the steps. And then she grabs the. I think the she whole, hits his hand
1: first, right? Hits him in the yeah, hand. Yeah, I think or she kind He's of like, slaps oh, at him with it. Boom, right in the Yeah, head. <laughs> and then
0: crack right over the head, and then he rolls back down the steps. Uh, then you cut to him like she's she's now dragging him. To like, uh, what is that like? I guess it's a pantry or a cupboard or something. It's like one of those huge uh, walk-in
1: refrigerator. You mean the uh, the refrigerated? The well, freezer? there's like where
0: a the freezer, meat but meat like meat where she puts them, I think is more like a like where they put the canned goods and shit. So I guess it's like a pantry oh, yeah. or something, like a walk-in pantry kind of thing.
1: Yeah.
0: She drags them and puts them in there and locks the door. And he's <laughs> pleading with her to let her to let him out, but she's like, no, nope, no, nope, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna uh, let you out. And he's like, uh, she's like, I'm gonna go get the snow cat and I'm gonna take Danny to the doctor or whatever. And he's like, Yeah, uh I'm you got a nice surprise waiting for you. You need to go check <laughs> you need to go check on that or something. <laughs> so she goes and takes a look and sure enough he's done sa- uh, uh you didn't see this happen, started. but yeah, he's sabotaged the snow cat. He's done pulled like the carburetor or whatever the hell out. Something important out of the snow cat. And uh then she goes and, and you know, that he's fucked up the radio. Then you see the title, four PM. Jack's done fell asleep inside the uh pantry. And then uh you hear the voice of Grady outside. But this is when I'm talking about the supernatural, like, coming out for sure right here. You hear the yeah. voice of Grady, like, talking to him, like, have you corrected this situation yet? It's like, uh, if I can get out of here, I'll correct it, basically. And he's <laughs> like, if you promise, all right, yeah, I promise, I will. And then you hear it, clunk, 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 you know, you hear the door opening. So, like, yeah, yeah there's definitely <laughs> now, some supernatural yeah. shit at foot.
1: Yeah. Before this, I don't think, I don't know that there was any, it could have been in somebody's mind, anybody's mind, right, because the, yeah. the woman could have been in Jack's mind, mm-hmm. maybe Danny did do that to himself for some reason, psychologically or whatever, but yeah, that was the first like real, yeah, okay, there's no way he could have got out of there without some supernatural, that,
0: yeah, this is my, what I was pointing out <laughs> earlier, how like Kubrick went out of his way to like, well, this could be either way, now there's no denying it. You know, this is yep. there's some supernatural shit afoot. So then you you cut to Halloran, and he's like, he's slowly making his way there in the snowcat. Then Danny uh, has the old red rum thing again, where he's saying red rum, <laughs> repeat, red rum, red rum, red rum. You know, repeat. He's going like... <laughs> yeah, I guess the higher pitch. The yeah, higher pitch. <laughs> red rum. Yeah, man, he's going absolutely loony with the red rum shit. Uh, meanwhile, <laughs> like, Wendy, like, doesn't wake up when he's doing this, right? <laughs> She's out <laughs> to the world. Like, I thought that was weird, too. Like, her natural reaction to, like... Knocking her husband out you know knocking her husband out <laughs> Let's go take a- locking him in the pantry discovering that the snow cat has been sabotaged <laughs> I'm just gonna fucking take a nap <laughs> <laughs> that's a little odd not gonna lie <laughs> um but yeah she's sleeping and like Danny gets up and does the red room bit and then he goes over and like he, she's got a knife sitting beside the bed he picks up the knife walks over and gets her lipstick walks over to the door and writes. Red rum on the door. He does red rum so loud that she, she wakes up finally. And then she sees the reflection of red rum on the door and it says, Murder. Ah, there you go. <laughs> if you're wondering what red rum was, it's murder. But she sees the reflection on the door. So like, ah. And then she screams right at that moment that Jack starts bashing the door in with an ax. And she takes Danny into the next room and like locks the door. But he bashes through the door and then pokes his head in and says, Wendy, I'm home. <laughs> here's johnny (laughs) yeah well no he does that in a minute oh you're talking about yeah yeah it happens twice like the first door he's just like wendy i'm home (laughs) I'm um but then she manages to go into the bathroom and open it up open the window up and she gets danny out like it won't go all the way up it's a pretty small crack but she manages to get danny out but she can't fit so she just tells him just run run um then jack axes the bathroom door and that's when he sticks his head in the iconic scene here's johnny and apparently that was uh improvised by Jack Nicholson. Like I don't think that that line was scripted. Yeah. I think you know I'm sure out of the 150 takes that Kubrick had him do, he did "Here's Johnny" and that's just the one that he decided to use I guess, but
2: and then even with the "Here's Johnny" thing, uh, I read, you know, like Kubrick lived in Europe at the time. So he wasn't that big on Johnny Carson and really didn't didn't know that here's Johnny was a thing. And well, another thing that I saw, you know, because that's probably one of the most uh, uh, iconic lines from, you know, yeah. uh, you know, like historic movies, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's up there. Uh, I mean, it's a it's a top 25 type of mo- mo- movie oh, you moment. You
2: say that and, you know, yep. y- you either think of two things, right? Carson or The Shining. Kubrick said if, if he would have realized how big of a saying that was in America, he wouldn't have used it.
0: Yeah, I don't doubt that either. <laughs> 'Cause that's just kinda the way the dude was. Yeah. So yeah, but then like when he pokes his hand in, like trying to open the door, she takes a knife and she cuts his hand. <clears throat> right at that moment, Halloran and Halloran finally arrives with the snow cat and they can hear it coming up. So then Jack goes and runs off to try to take care of that and uh Danny runs back in the hotel and hides somewhere. Then Halloran comes into the hotel and he yells, Hey, anyone here? And then like the jump scare like one of the jump scare moments, Jack jumps out of nowhere and just buries the axe right in Halloran's chest. Like yeah. <laughs> Halloran, t- it takes him 45 minutes to get there, and he's dead. <laughs> 45
1: minutes of screen time. Yeah, no, screen time. How many, yeah. How many, oh, yeah, good hours. lord. Like,
0: probably a, a, a full day or two just to get there <laughs> yeah. in their time. But in the movie, it takes him 45 yeah. minutes of screen time to get there. He gets there and is instantly axed in the
2: chest. That whole thing was, like, disappointing because, like, in the book, man, he is such a big part of the book, right? Mm-hmm. And it survives. And survives, uh, and in the movie, he serves. he's like an afterthought.
0: I think they did. The, I always remember that uh, episode of The Simpsons. It was one of the early Treehouse of Horrors, where they mm. they did a spoof of The Shining, except they called it The Shinning because <laughs> they they didn't want <laughs> oh, <yes. laughs> they didn't want to be uh, sued or whatever. But uh, that was the joke. But uh, it was uh, uh, groundskeeper Willie was uh, yeah. <laughs> was uh, like the Halloran part, and he shows up and keeps getting an axe in his chest immediately. <laughs> I think that was always a running joke in Treehouse of Horror for years after that, was uh, groundskeeper Willie, every time he slides in, he gets an axe to the chest. <laughs> so yeah, poor uh, Scatman gets it rather quickly once he makes all the effort to get there. And then uh, Jack takes off and chases Danny right after this. All right, now this is when it starts, uh, it's already weird, but this is when it starts to go next level weird. Right here, okay? <laughs> Wendy is searching around, too. And like Jack's chasing Danny somewhere in the hotel. Wendy comes out of the room and starts searching around. And then she sees a dude in a dog suit or a bear suit, whatever the hell this was, <laughs> like giving head to a dude in a tuxedo. <laughs> she just, Like, this is completely out of nowhere. Like, what the fuck? Like, she cuts the corner, and then there's a dude in a suit. I guess you assume giving a blowjob to a guy in a tuxedo on the bed, like down the hall in a room, <laughs> and she's just like, yeah, Whoa? That's, uh,
2: that's what I got out of. It. Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought it was. <laughs> that's what it looks. I like. don't know
0: what the <laughs> fuck, but there we go. Um, who are we to question the great Stanley Kubrick?
2: <laughs> well, see, and, and that's uh, that's one of the things with the, the difference between the movie and the book, right? Like in the book, it's obvious it's a dog suit because they mention it like multiple times in the book. While I was looking up stuff in the movie, like almost everybody that mentions it in the movie says it's a bear costume.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And like, it looks more like a dog suit to me. Yeah. I uh, mean, if you look at the face of it, is, it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so then Jack is still chasing Danny around. Now they've gone outside and they're, he's chasing him in the maze. Meanwhile, Wendy's still in the hotel and she finds Halloran dead. Um, then she turns around and there's a dude standing there with like a head wound and he's like, Great party, isn't it? <laughs> and she's just like, What the and then runs off.
2: Yeah, I think at that point, you know, that's just showing that the the hotel is just t- kind of running the show at this point and she's not in charge.
0: And then she goes into another room and then there's just a bunch of skeletons and cobwebs everywhere sitting like in these chairs, like I I guess like maybe all the dead people from that party that you saw. I, I don't know what the hell this was, right? Like all of a sudden there's just this huge room. With a bunch of skeletons sitting around with cobwebs, so she's been tripped into the tenth level of hell here. Apparently, at this point,
2: I think kind of what what I feel like he was kind of getting across there is, you know, like you you know that something is going on, and something spooky has went on in the past. You know, with the with uh with the comments from Dick Halloran talking about don't go into the room. So you know something's up, and then as you know, you see Danny going around and doing things. You know, like. A ghost will pop up here like it's not obvious I mean it, it even happened at the beginning of the movie <clears throat> when uh, Danny's in one of the rooms and he like turns around and there are the twins
0: Jack is chasing Danny around in the maze and then Danny which is a really smart move like backtracks over his own tracks and then covers his tracks and hides around the corner so when Jack comes along he doesn't see where he went then you go back to Wendy once again still in the hotel and then she comes to the elevators, and then the the elevator flood of blood scene. You know, this is like the full on, I guess not kind of in your head kind of moment. Now finally you see it. Danny's covered his tracks, so Jack loses him. Danny kind of goes back and finds his way out. Wendy, like Wendy's, pretty much comes out of the hotel and finds him, like pretty much right at that moment. And then <laughs> it's kind of like a kind of a non-dramatic conclusion in in the terms of like. <laughs> Well, like, all right, well, he got out of there. Jack's lost in there, so let's just get in the fucking snowcat and get out of here. Like, it almost makes too much sense in the horror world, right? Like, man, everything just went well there finally, you know? Like, they found each other, got in the thing, got the fuck out of there like you should have, right? Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I didn't have the twist, you know?
1: Like. Yeah, the, like, no, it's just stuff. like, well, like you're see you getting used to in the 80s yeah yeah <laughs>
0: exactly like you're just waiting for the other shoe to fall kind of but nope nope they just get in the fucking thing and leave so that was uh, uh halloran's uh lasting legacy was the fact that he got the cat there you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for them to leave then jack just kind of collapses like he's lost in the maze now he can't get out and he hears them going away and he's kind of howling at the moon so to speak you know and then he just kind of falls to his knees and then you see him the next morning, he's frozen to death. <laughs> he's kind of got a little bit of a goofy look on his face, you know, <laughs> almost like he's cross-eyed or something. But, like, yeah. Yeah, you see him there, like, blue and icicles hanging off of him. He's dead. He's frozen to death.
2: What was the point of Jack Nicholson sitting there and freezing to death with that look on his face? Yeah. <laughs> it also,
0: it, I mean, it's haunting for sure, you know, to see some dead guy, you know, froze to death in the maze. But, like, the goofy look on his face. Is <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Like, like, how did you convince Jack Nicholson to make that face?
0: Probably for 85 takes, too, knowing Cooper. Yeah, yeah. But...
2: yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe it, it was he's... just a freeze frame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can you we know, do... like, hey, can we do that one more time? <laughs> oh, my God. He rolls his eyes back.
0: Kind of like the famous freeze frame from Animal House when they, when they, uh, <laughs> 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 they scared the horse. <laughs> 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 Then you hear some piano music playing from inside the gold room, ballroom inside the hotel. And then they zoom in on a picture of like a group of people like posing for a a big overhead type of picture, all smiling and having a party. And then they zoom in on it and you can see Jack as like front row center of this picture. And then it pans down and then the label on the bottom of the picture says, Overlook Hotel, July 4th, Ball, 1921. And then that's when you get the end credits. So I guess, you know, revealing that Jack was the caretaker all this time.
2: <laughs> yeah, so something something that I read, and I guess this kind of makes sense, is uh, I guess the premise of that is that I guess Kubrick believes in reincarnation and the, apparently the hotel calls people back. You know, like in 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 other lives. Otherwise, like, how is he in that picture? Right.
0: There's some there's some weird shit at play there for sure. I, I don't know if there's a right answer. Yeah. I guess there's always that subjectiveness of a guy like Kubrick, where he's just gonna like, well, what do you think? You know, if you ask, if he was here, and you could ask him directly, he'd probably just turn it back on you. You know, <laughs> well, what do right. you think? You know, because <laughs> that's the kind of dude he was. So there you have it, one of the horror classics of uh, modern era, The Shining from 1980. So I guess it, like usual, will. What were your uh? What's your star rating on this? What are your thoughts?
2: Uh, I guess in my first passing, I would have probably given it probably a three and a half, and then it probably jumped up to probably a four and a half to probably pretty close to a five. And then I read the book, and I know that really shouldn't have affected it. The book is so good, and then when you when you watch the movie, I definitely get where Stephen King was upset over saying. I think I think his quote was. Uh, it's a it's a really nice sports car without an engine. And obviously, books can go in so more in depth than, than a movie can because of time restrictions. Uh, I still love the movie. If if I'm giving it a stars, I'll probably give it like four and a quarter. I still love the movie, so I, I'm not I'm not taking a squat on the movie. But man, that book is just so good. Yeah, I agree.
0: it's hard to disagree. All right, Smoke. What did you think?
1: Um, yeah, like I said, I don't, I don't know how many times I've seen it now. I've seen it plenty of times uh and it's another one it's one of those movies where i could just keep watching it. you know it never gets old it's and i can almost say that you that you uh catch something new every time but now after you know after seeing like i've mentioned it a few times but after seeing that room 237 thing there's, <laughs> it's hard to uh not see things now because uh, they pick out they point out all kind of stuff so uh, but still rewatchability on this movie is high for me oh yeah uh i give it a good hell i'll, I'll go with a uh, four and a half stars uh it's up there it's up there for me it's uh, it was one of my top, you know, when we did our 13 sort of favorite horror movies at the time when we did that. Uh, the Shining was in there for me. I forget what number exactly I had of that right now. Yeah, iconic movie, a favorite. You can watch it over and over again. So yeah, four and a half. For me.
0: I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna disagree with you. I think I'm gonna go four and a half as well. I mean, like, it's gonna be hard to get a five out of me for any movie, really. I mean, because that's just like that's top of the line. I mean, there's probably <laughs> some that are there. And this is damn close. I'm almost all the way there, but not quite. I'm, I'm going to go four and a half yeah. like you. Not that I don't love it. I mean, I love it for what it is, and it's a beautiful movie mm-hmm. as far as horror oh, yeah. is concerned, especially. Just a little bit shorter. It probably would be one of the perfect movies, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, other than that, I mean, that, that's a small nit to pick, to be honest with you. I mean, like, I think it's a it's a wonderful film. I, I've watched it. God knows how many times, and I can watch it. God knows how many times more before I call it a day, right? So, yeah. <laughs> uh, this is one of those. This is one of those ones. So, uh, I guess, uh, like usual, we'll go ahead and uh, smoke. Did you do the uh, the gore score for this one?
1: Uh, yeah, it's a, the gore score. Uh, as far as you know, when you take a look at the movie, what do you got? As far as gore, you got you got the bloody elevator scene, which is not necessarily like overly gory. It's just a shit ton of blood. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And you know, and you got a uh, you got Howler Halloran, Halloran getting axed. Uh, which is again not super gory, but you you know, you see you feel it, you know, when he gets that axe in the chest. Yeah, the old dead hag. Yeah, and the old dead hag in there. So uh <laughs> I mean again this is not this is not movie is not meant to be a splatter movie or anything like that. Uh so I but I would go with I think all the blood and everything that, that's in the movie. I was putting it about a it's about a four, I would say. It's not I, I mean it's again it's not about the gore. Those is another one of those that's just not, you know, it's there, but it's not meant to be a a gory type horror movie,
0: stuff. So. yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't disagree with that. I'd say about a four or five, you know, would yeah, probably yeah, be I might right. To, might raise it up to five because I mean, you do have you got the yeah, yeah, you got the hag scene. There are a few of those scenes that you scene. just mentioned yeah. that, like, you would cut out on like a say a regular TV version of this movie, like that. Yeah, maybe the elevator of blood might still be there because that's not you know you know yeah, I don't that's think that's overly overly gory, but uh, there's a couple of those scenes that you mentioned that I don't think would be there or they'd be chopped up real. You just kind of yeah. see it happen, but not happen, kind of, you know, like the axe or whatever. So, yeah, I think a four or five is probably about right. Five. Yeah. Uh, Will, what about you? Did you do a, a kill count?
2: All right, I'm, I'm going to call it two on this one. I think, that's, I think that's fair, because that's the people that actually got killed with uh, Dick Halloran taking an uh, axe to the chest. And then you've got uh, Jack freezing to death at the... Uh, <laughs> At the end of the movie, and
0: making a silly cockeyed face. So, <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, every, I mean, there are other dead people, you know, like the twins and stuff in the movie. But technically, you don't see them get the axe. Yeah. Get it? Get but, it? But, but,
0: um, yeah, I mean, you got Grady and and then the two kids, which were his kids. Mm-hmm. Then I'm assuming the dude that like is just uh, randomly standing there, like great party, isn't it? <laughs> and then you got and then you got the dude in the dog suit giving head to the waiters. So I guess you can count those two. <laughs> <laughs> I guess there's a difference between the people you see get killed and then the ghosts that are in this a movie like this. So yeah, I guess you get couple different counts but yeah two is probably fair all right so i guess with that uh for the next movie like we mentioned earlier we're going to kind of do a double bill here and we're going to we're going to step into the future and we're going to watch dr sleep um the movie that came out in uh what was it 2019 um, which, which is supposed to be
1: uh i guess how many years does that make it after because it's supposed to be that exact amount of years i believe after the shining so the shining was like 1980 and this is 30 was that 39 years in
0: yeah, well, when it came out, it was, uh, I believe, November 8th of uh, 2019, um, so that would have been a little over 39 years since the original movie. And I believe
1: that's the timeline. I believe that's the timeline in the movie. I, I mean, I said, we watched it once so far, uh-huh. I saw it in the theater, and so we watched it the second time. I'll have to check on that and see, but I'm pretty sure that they're it's supposed to be like real time from when the show Yeah, yeah we, and place.
0: we can go deeper into the timeline once we uh, talk about it next oh, episode, yeah. but uh, yeah, so it, it, fo- it follows uh, the adult version of uh, Danny Torrance, so... The IMDb synopsis is: Years following the events of *The Shining*, and now adult Dan Torrance must protect a young girl with similar powers from a cult known as the True Knot, who prey on children with powers to remain immortal. I'm I'm assuming, like I said earlier, I haven't seen this one, but I'm assuming they're gonna definitely lean in on the more supernatural with this one. They'd have to, right? <laughs> Based just on that synopsis yeah. alone. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so they yeah, definitely
1: that, go more in that direction than the. Uh... Than Kubrick's, you know, as far as the supernatural events.
0: I guess that'll do it for this episode of the Spook Show, and uh, make sure to check back with us, you know, in the next episode for the Doctor Sleep to kind of finish the Grindhouse double bill, if you will. Um, so for uh, Will and the Professor Smoke, I'm Josh. We are the All American Spook Show podcast, and we will see you next time, guys. Rise up!